Hey guys, guess what? What? We have a podcast. A what? A podcast. We've got these these what? Mi- we we we've, we've got these microphones and we've got headphones. And what? there's this thing that's recording us right now. Uh, is, uh, is my microphone plugged into something? A computer? Presumably. Presumably. Oh, is this big big black box here to the side of this glowing rectangle mm-hmm. and I see your faces on it. Right, right. I think we're doing good. I, I think it's live. <laughs> so so we've got microphones. We've okay. got headphones. We've got we've got voices. We've got important opinions. And <laughs> and I've got and I also set up a Swiss bank account for all the sweet, sweet sponsorship bills we're gonna be getting. And not only that, they're very important opinions about video games, so it's really the most important opinions of all. Of course. I mean, nobody else does a podcast like this, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So... There's not really many opinions about video games online, so we've got to speak out. You've got to search long and hard to find them. So, um, after about 437 years and three U.S. presidents, we finally got the Sox cast. Who's happy? I'm happy. You're happy? happy. Oh, great. I'm very happy. That's fantastic. John is always happy. Yeah. Nobody is more positive. I'm very happy, though, so... Nobody is more happy than John. And we'll get to that in a second. But basically, hey, this is the Sox cast. It's a thing that I've wanted to do for a long time, and we're finally getting around to doing it. Um... We're going to try to drop these every couple of weeks, uh, drop it on a Sunday, because you don't have anything important to do on a Sunday, right? Right? And, um, of course, right now you're hearing three very distinct voices, but, guys, something really special. Do you, do you want to know what it is? What is it? What we, is it? We have a virtual fourth seat. <gasps> really? Yes. And believe it or not, is it next to me? It's because like, I'm not seeing another seat here. It's to your left. There's just a hamper. That will be the seat. You could sit on it though. That'll be their seat. They will. That okay. will be the hamper seat every week, or every other week, or whenever. But that's where the guests are going to sit. They're going to bless that hamper with their buttocks, and okay. they're they're going to be guests from the community. Um, you know, we'll get into how we're going to get guests wrangled in every now and then. Um, but right now, we're just kind of winging the first episode here with... Uh, Probably start off with some low-key celebrities like, I don't know, Jonathan Blow and move up to the Cliffy Bees, right? Of course. And you can't yeah. forget Phil Fish. Everybody, oh, Phil Fish. Everybody yeah. loves Phil Fish. Just really all the most important people. Of course. So, to get things out of the way, you probably need to know... Who we are? Who are these people that are in my headphones right now? Who are these people coming out of my computer? Well, to my immediate right, my immediate virtual right, I, I apologize. My immediate virtual right is a person who basically kept SoxMakePeopleSexy.net on its feet for uh, the last couple of years while I didn't really have the time. He is the very reason that a lot of guest contributions were able to make it to the site, and he did a lot of great features himself. Ladies and gentlemen, executor of the Ishiromiya estate, Rhett. Hi. How you doing, Rhett? <laughs> Hi, Rhett. I'm doing ah, good. Please. You doing good? Are you ready to podcast? Not really. You're that n- intro really threw me. <laughs> you want to get it going? You want to go? Come on. I think you got this. I think you got this. You got it. We're hitting record now, right? Yes. 
Okay. Now we're no, live. We did a, we did a Okay, we're live now. We're okay. Live. And to my virtual left, the man with no name, John Thayer. That's me. How you, do- How you doing, John? I'm doing really well. Doing great? Yeah, I'm what doing ha- great. What the hell have you been up to? Uh, planning my wedding. Planning your wedding? Jeez, what are you like? You're like 12 years old. <laughs> Basically. How the hell are you getting married at 12 years old? Um, luck. So how are you finding the the wedding planning and stuff like that? Uh, well, Anna's actually taking care of most of it, but I'm helping as much as I can and calling a bunch of people I haven't talked to in a while, and it's pretty pretty grand. Uh, the best idea yeah, I've heard during uh, wedding planning, because I've had a number of friends get married, and I've had to do the bridesmaid thing and all that shit. The best idea, um, let, let the women handle it. Stay back. Don't, don't, just, just... I'm doing pretty well about that. That's good. That's good. So it's like, that's basically what's taking up all of your time so far? Um, right now, yeah, school's starting up and, um, next Monday, and aside from that, um, there hasn't been too much going on. It's, that's been kind of the main focus. I see, I see, I see. So, give us a little bit more about... John Thayer. We want to know the real the man, John the myth, Thayer. the legend. Exactly. <laughs> like, what? What do you do? Okay. Well, I write about games online every now and then. On occasion, I've made some games. I made a game with Anna that I really like called Dance Party. Hmm. That is and very, that's online. That is a very fun and cute project, and everybody needs yes. to check that out. I'll put a I'll put a link in the show notes. It's fun. Awesome. And um, I have a Twitter. And I talked to a lot of cool people on it. And, yeah. And, hey, Rhett. Hey. What you been up to? Uh, I thought we were going to do intros, but... Well, I... (laughs) You know what, Rhett? This isn't going to work if you fucking keep going against me. Look, you've already got me cursing. (laughs) I wanted to keep this podcast as curse-free as possible, and you've already fucking set me off. (laughs) So, okay, we'll do things your way. Do the other one first. Give me an intro. Who the hell are you? Why are you here? I'm here because you (laughs) drugged me and tied me up and said, get on this podcast. Right, right. And what do you do? I think she meant more like in a philosophical sense. Mm -hmm. Existentially, who are you, man? Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I'm just adrift in a sea of digital bits. Digital bits? That would make a great serial, I think. Mm-hmm. Digital bits. All your ones and zeros. Mm, I would eat it. Which ones would be the marshmallows? Mm. The zeros, so they'd be bigger. Hmm. Good Obviously. point. Extra healthy for your teeth, too. Boom. So what do you do, Rhett? Uh, I make Flash games. You make Flash games? And it is kind of sad that I still preface it with Flash games instead of saying I make games. It is kind of fucking sad that you have to... You have to it's like a second-class of- citizen of gaming. <laughs> <laughs> you like, poor soul. John makes games. I make Flash games. I Aww. make games that you have to download and run. Executables. Executables. <laughs> Nobody's going to get that. Nobody at all. Um, so... Like, what are you up to right now? What are you doing? Uh, what are you keeping yourself busy with? Still working on my latest game called Bullet Phase, and it's been a hell of a time. Just trying to polish that off and just get it out the door at this point. And you're looking to get out of Flash development with that game, right? 
Yeah, I realized like a month ago that just like when I looked towards future projects, it was just like I can't do it with Flash anymore. It's just it's so much extra work for no real gain. Cool, cool. And Bullet Phase so. is sort of a pseudo follow up to Bullet Maze. Yes, that was which, another game I made. Which is very similar to Ikaruga and um, what was that one game Ubisoft released? Silhouette Mirage? Uh, no. That's not Ubisoft. Outland. 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 Yeah, I haven't played Outland, but it is the same thing. Uh, Bullet Phase is a platformer where you alternate between red and blue colors to avoid bullets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really hard. That's awesome. You're all uh, going to love it. Do do you really like? Do you have any kind of idea of when we're going to see that, or is I it still keep, just? I, it's getting pretty close. September twenty eighth, twenty fourteen, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. I okay. actually hoped sooner than that, but then I looked at August. I'm like, oh, August is almost over. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, so great. Um, and I, I am Polly. Who are you? It's true. I, I'm Polly, and um, I've been writing about video games online in various places since around 2002. Um, started SocksMakePeopleSexy.net in 2005, and we've kept that going. It's on a bit of a hiatus, but gotta admit, kind of like you know, looking to start doing it again, and you know, you never know. With this podcast, you know, it may reignite the. The passion of love that I had for the site, uh, but I've been also been spending a lot of time writing for Boss Dungeon mostly this year. Um, I did a lot of great stuff there; it was super fun. I got to interview um, the designer for Onikin. Joy Masher. Yeah, that was that was super rad. I really want to do more stuff like that. I've got a couple of things planned that I'm talking to people about that I don't want to talk about just yet because they're still in the planning phase and a couple of people are already on board. Um, but uh, basically what I've been getting into lately is I've been streaming video games for the internet. You have been, like every day practically. Yeah, it's kind of weird, because you start realizing, oh, holy shit, playing a video game and talking at the same time, that's really freaking hard. I, I told you about that, you didn't believe me. <laughs> and and I kind of like, 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 I haven't tried to Let's Play yet, and mostly, it's mostly because I don't like doing things myself, though, because the one thing that I've tried to do on all of my streams is to have guests on, because I like interaction, I like the interplay, just, you know, the same way we're doing now, is... Um, I, I sort of like that free-flowing atmosphere of me being really shitty at a game and people laughing at it or having interesting conversations with the chat. So that's been really fun. Uh, you know, been, you know, I've got an ongoing series I'm doing right now uh, for Chrono Trigger. I'm going to try streaming that every Sunday evening. Um, and just random stuff throughout the week, you know, if the, the, the urge strikes me, I kind of, you know, I want to do another stream where I pull some games from Steam and play them and uh talk over them while playing them badly but uh other than that i've been on vacation all august and you know there's just been a lot it's just been a month of recharging the old batteries keeping myself sane um and uh i've also i've also been playing a little game oh i, I play playing a game i've been playing a game because that's what you do when a you video have a game when you have one of these podcasts, I heard that you got to play video games, and I've been playing a video game. Oh, I screwed up. I, bet I haven't been playing video games. 
What are you? I don't doing? actually know about those. What are the, what are those again? You 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 push buttons. Oh uh, oh okay. I, I was thinking of something else. So I've been playing a little game called Jamestown. Um, Rhett, I think you've played this, right? Yes, I have. John. Yes, I have. Great. Uh, so um, it's a fun little shmup that I. I when I saw videos of it and I saw other people play it, it didn't really impress me much because I, I don't know it, it. The bullet patterns didn't seem really intense. It seemed really uh, uh, lackadaisical. There you go. There's your ten thousand dollar college <laughs> word. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a super cool little you know alternate history shmup. That's just the story's absolutely weird, and I love every bit of it. I do too. I also uh, love all the chapter titles that are like eight lines long. It that look like old school wanted posters. Old school wanted posters. They kind of reminded me of like old anime um, episode titles. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, um, I think that like having spent some time with that game, I'm trying to one CC gauntlet mode and that's one credit clear, you know, without using any credits. I'm trying to do that in gauntlet mode and using that gamer lingo. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, stages four and five have been a real dick in my ass. Uh, for, oh, for the, so much for PG-13. For the last uh, <laughs> couple of days. Um, but I think that that game is like really well designed in a, in a way that I feel that it can teach people to be better or give them an idea of... Um, how to play shmups in the bullet hell genre, sort of like Mars Matrix, which I think it's heavily influenced by because mm-hmm. it's got it, because you know it's the whole pres- cave aesthetic. Yeah, obvious, it's, it's, clearly the game's presented in a top-down perspective, but it has a wide horizontal uh, area that you can still scroll uh, back and forth with, um, and that's very sort of Mars Matrixy. And the bullet patterns—they're not as devious as something you'd see in like. I don't know, Dodonpachi and, like, Toho, Hyret. Dodonpachi is the only one of the cave shmups that I've played, and I really, really like it. It's really damn good. Um, but, yeah, I, I I like that game's design up until stage five. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. because, because it starts introducing elements that were never present in uh, the game before, you know, such as, like, Sliding block walls? Sliding block walls, geometry that can push you around, obstacles. It just sort of feels like it's out of step. Yeah. Um, Especially when, like, every damn shot in the level is aimed. There's not, like, I don't think that there are any, like, radial patterns or pinwheel patterns. It's all just at you. You know, everything is aimed at you all the time. So you're constantly in a state of trying to dodge through the geometry of the stage and... um, the bullets and it's just the timing feels like it's way more scripted i guess uh like you feel like you have to memorize it in a way that, i remember kind of feeling that way while playing that level yeah you you have to memorize it in a way that i don't feel you have to other stages i feel like you can sort of freewheel your way uh because the vaunt system is you know super forgiving uh, but the vaunt system does not save you from being crushed in geometry or spike walls or everything. But um, but yeah, Jamestown's pretty rad. Um, what'd you think of it, Rhett? I thought it was really good. Uh, the one pro I mean, not a huge problem, but it is kind of weird how the higher the or the lower difficulties lock you out of the later stages. Yeah, that's sort of like a, it, a like it's a kind con- of a dick move. Yeah, like, it's a it's a Konami SNES era dick move. 
where you get locked out of either the last stage or you don't get an ending. Um, it just feels weird. Like maybe like it feels like maybe there was like production time problems or they were running out of money and couldn't you know yeah. do something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was, it's like it's good as a practice shmup for like newcomers. Like you said, it's a really good introduction to the bullet hell stuff. But if someone's playing on the easiest difficulty and then they get to stage four and it's like no go play higher it's like well i want to see the new stuff mm-hmm. yeah and you it's, it's almost kind of snobby yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you can't that's you a really can't good way of putting it get to this point you can't see this stuff unless you're good enough and worthy enough which yeah, is and again that feels just really feels tacky it feels really out of step with uh, the rest of the game and how it feels like it's trying to teach you you know gently with every difficulty because that game has like seven difficulties Mm. Um, and each one feels like it's adding more to the mix, and I really like that progressiveness, but yeah, it sort of really loses that in the end, where it's just also throwing. Also, it kind of pads out the game time. Like, it takes longer to finish the game for the first time because of that system. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's probably why they did it. Like, they realized... That's my thinking. If you just played on the easiest and got through the game in 20 minutes, you'd be like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Jamestown, totally a rad game. Like... Um, I dig it. I'm still going to stick with it until I get that one CC. Um, um, but I've also, like, recently I got an Android phone. And it's like, hey, I don't really like the iPhone at all. And iTunes is balls. Um, so... I've started trying some games here and there, and one that caught my attention that I heard of for a while is called Puzzle and Dragons. You guys heard of this? I've heard of it. I have no idea what it is. Me neither. It's like a match three game. Uh, I'm sure you know what that is, where you know you've got oh, yeah. blocks and you have to match three of the same color, and you can make combos and all of that fun stuff. But uh, it does it in a way that sort of feels like it's fused with like Persona. Or Shin Megami Tensei for all the nerds that want to. Whoa! Or, huh. or all the nerds that huh. want to. But um, because you know, there's an element of like fusing monsters to get new ones, um, uh, sacrificing monsters to power up another one. Um, In a match three game. Yeah. Uh, you see the way. It, okay. Okay, let me let me, let me let me let me present that. Let me try to explain this in a way that doesn't make me sound like a complete fool. Okay, you've got when you enter a dungeon, it's a it's a first person view, and you've got a set of five monsters that you've picked uh, from your monster box, and at the bottom of the screen, you've got a grid of various colored orbs, and you match those up to perform attacks, and the more the more orbs that you match per color, uh, the stronger the, the the monsters of that element will attack. So, uh, you know, and then there's, you know, weaknesses, obviously. So, you know, you've got, like, four elements, I believe it is. Um, mm-hmm. And all the monsters come in those varieties. And, um, you know, and as you chain, you know, more, um, blo- you know, more orbs, um, you get stronger attacks. And, yeah, um, it, it's a pretty cool concept. It's a free-to-play game, though. So it's obviously got some really weird, like, like I feel like... like after about 10 hours with it, I'm kind of hitting the wall where um, you get in a free-to-play game where it starts feeling like, well, I need to put money into this. And 
I don't necessarily have much of a problem with that because I mean, like, if there was a thing that was like in the store that was like, say, ten bucks, and it let me not have to worry about stamina, or it was like, hey, you get double money from battles or something, I would be fine with giving them ten bucks for that because I think that game's worth ten bucks. I, I, when I got Jetpack Joyride on my iPhone. You know, I paid for the coin doubler because I was like, hey, this, this game's worth a couple bucks. I will pay that. But I'm starting to, like, run up against the stamina wall where it's just like... Like, I have, I think, 30 stamina, and I'm seeing dungeons now that require, like, 50 stamina to do. And, like, you only get, a st- you know, a stamina point back every 10 or 12 minutes or so. Oh, so it's the energy system, pretty much? Yeah, you start running up to that, and, like, everything feeds into having to buy it, you know, and you can replenish, of course, with, like, these magic crystals if you use one, you know. But that you, stuff isn't permanent. It's, you yeah, it. you, yeah, that's the problem I have with it. If there was something more permanent <laughs> with that game, I would feel more comfortable playing it more, but I feel like, as of now, I've sort of hit the wall with it. I'm not, you know, I'm not playing it as much, you know, I'll log on play for like you know two or three dungeons and realize well the money i'm getting for these battles isn't really giving me you know the money i need to upgrade the monsters the way i need to um you know i just i just feel like you know and everything costs money of course so yeah <laughs> it's it, it you just i, I just feel yeah. like, like i said i've hit a wall with it and um i guess other than chrono trigger which you know hey one of the greatest games ever I'm not playing much else, so... Rhett! Hey. Tell me something. Uh, I played through Jet Gunner. That's, uh... It's one of those... It's on Steam right now. It just came out pretty recently. It's a NES-inspired jump-and-shoot action platformer. And it's very, very faithful to um, NES standards. It's it's, yeah. it's It's got a great look. It's really... The guy who made it, uh, Sinclair Strange, I think is his name, He's done some Flash games, actually, on Newgrounds that are also, like, very, very faithful to the NES, like, almost to a fault. Uh, He made, I think it's Alien Splatter and Ninja Virus, which I really like. Ninja Virus is awesome, yes. Yeah, Yeah, I remember you pointed me at Ninja Virus a while ago. I'm looking at it right now online, and it definitely looks (laughs) really faithful. It looks cool. Yeah, so... I I bought that, too. I played through the first stage. I haven't had a chance to delve deeper into it yet, but... I definitely know it's, it's something I'm going to sink my teeth into very soon. Yeah. It's a it's a different approach from something like Shovel Knight, which is like an yeah. Shovel Knight definitely is not really yeah, faithful. But, very deliberately. but that yeah. game is so good. Yeah. It's it's not faithful, but in like a really interesting way, where it tries to like provide a logical extension of the aesthetic into like a new look. In yeah. a really cool way. Yeah, yeah, that game is. Um, I think you basically said, you know, it's 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 a fairly simple game. I don't think that there's a lot of depth to it. It's you know, but it, it's Shovel Knight. Yeah, but it's got a, a lot of that old school, like just simple jump and attack stuff that feels really good. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the shovel feels so good. Yeah, the down jump feels. Just, yeah, it's it's got that ugh. Scrooge McDuck pogo attack thing going for it, where it's just like mm-hmm. it feels really good to fucking pop on a dude's head. Um, but yeah, sorry to have derailed you there. Rory. No, that's fine. You continue. We can let these flow naturally. So uh, one other thing about Jet Gunner is that it has a challenge mode 
There's 25 short little like one minute challenges you can do. Mm-hmm. So those are pretty fun too. Some of them are like you die in one hit or the jetpack doesn't regain fuel. Yeah, those were really fun and really hard in Mega Man Powered Up. Oh, but I never oh, finished God. them. I think Polly did. Yeah, I fin- I 100% of that game, but it took fucking, it took three years. Don't you have to play <laughs> through it like 36 times? Uh, you have to play through it like 36 times. Oh my God, uh, that's but it's yeah. fun because so, yeah. because it keeps things varied. Um, because you're you know you play as the bosses, so mm-hmm. you have to approach levels differently, and it's a different kind of challenge. Um, I remember playing around with the level editor in that game for, like, hours and hours. Yep. Having a lot of fun with it. Um, you had a PSP? Uh, briefly. It was my brother's. I played, he got it, oh. I was playing it mostly. Because it sure would be nice if they put that game on PSN. Never gonna happen. Wow. No. Uh, freaking Sony and Capcom. I know, right? Like, you want to move a couple Vitas, put that up. Yeah, that's been clear. It's both. It's mostly Capcom, I imagine, at this point. So, are you saying that if they put Mega Man powered up on, you'd get a Vita? <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, you have it here, live on tape. We're holding you to this. I'm going to send this to Sony, and uh, that way they'll they'll know guaranteed that they've got one Vita sale in the shoot. Just They're going to go. What's a Vita? Just <laughs> 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 pull the trigger. Um, Oh, yeah. they, they did pull the trigger on the Vita. Yeah. They put a bullet in it. Right in its fucking head. Um, yeah, Jet Gunner. Uh, it's, it, yeah, the, the challenge stages, there, they sound a lot like uh, the Contra 4 stuff. They're pretty similar. They're really hard. The last few are like, okay, I'm done. I'm not <laughs> trying to do this. You, you didn't 100% this? Well, one of them was broken. I'm not sure if it what was wrong with it but the state there's like they're divided by stages like there's five stages in the game so mm-hmm. there's five challenges each the stage five ones are just insane it's like f this we're done <laughs> yeah um anything else on your plate so uh i played the puzzle game cube i heard about this because uh, i was sure i, I think cube? It, i think it, sh- it came out shortly after portal 2 didn't it I, yeah it's 2012 i think i think so hmm. so yes it's a puzzle game and it's it's uh, sterile white chambers, and you solve puzzles, and then you go to the next one, and it's really hard not to think about Portal when playing it. I think the, I'm looking at screenshots, and it's really hard not to think about Portal while really, playing it. Wasn't the main designer the uh, one of the people? Uh, no, that's a different. That's Quantum that's the, Conundrum. That's, the that's Quantum one. Conundrum. That's Conundrum. Okay, okay, Quantum okay. Conundrum. My bad. I was going to say Quadrilateral Cowboy, and I was mixed up. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Quadrilateral Cowboy is something entirely different. <laughs> So the weird this thing looks, about this looks really interesting and also a lot and a lot like Portal, but yeah, it does look really cool. So I liked Cube, and it's you know it's a puzzle game. There's not really a whole much to say about it, but what was really I thought was interesting is that this game came out in 2012, and then a couple months ago they released Cube Director's Cut, which is like the exact same game, except they added a storyline to it now. Wait, wait, wait! Whoa! What? Wait, 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 wait! What? They had a game. Yes. And it it was just... I mean, it's fine to release a game without a narrative. I mean, that's fine, but... That's, that's basically a, Antichamber. That's a weird thing to add yeah, it, to a game years later. It's so weird that they did this. So, played through the game, and then I looked up a video of, like, the last 20 minutes of it, of the director's cut on YouTube. And uh-huh. it's like, you're doing the exact same puzzles... But now there's like people screaming at you between. Is it um, an evil AI? 
it's it, I will give it that it's not an evil AI, but okay. it's like. But is it's, it like a smarmy narrator talking over you and making fun of you? No, it's okay. Oh, okay. It's not. It's not okay. that bad, but it's just like okay. So like the original ending of the game, like you escape this place. And then the director's cut is you escape this place, but there's explosions and there's a lady screaming in your ear like, get out, you've got to, you're going to die. It's just like, it's so weird that they went and added a narrative to the game two years later. I do like explosions, though. I do like explosions. <laughs> that, that seems kind of tacky, just yeah, without that, any that's... context. Yeah, like... And, like They changed some of the music to make it like more dramatic. Uh, it's like, it's what... Just, <laughs> This is a two-year-old game. Who are they trying to get this time around? I don't get... Like, is this game, I mean, like, they, Is this game they, releasing on another console or something? They, they did just announce Cube 2 at that Sony thing for PS4. Oh, so maybe they wanted to tie okay. it into that. I don't know. It kind of makes Weird. sense, then, I guess. But to go back two years later and add something like that, just... Uh, mm. That's... Didn't they retcon like, Portal's ending, like, two years or four years later or something? It was a very small retcon. Yeah, yeah I remember that clip. It was very just a minuscule. little brief thing. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I mean, it's like if they added voices to Antichamber, like in a year, like you'd oh, be like, oh, like, oh, no, thanks. Oh. So, yeah. uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I really liked Antichamber. Is all I was gonna say. I I've I played about it, it a couple times. I played it, and you, you should I, finish it. I will finish it, but I played it, and the game gave me a headache. Oh, that's, like, that's pretty legitimate. It's like, what do you want from me, game? I just want to shoot things and make aliens blow up. Please? Like, you can't do you that. You mean, like, confusion, right? Yeah. Because there's one, there's one part in Cube where I, like, got seriously motion sick, and that never happens to me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there was Anna, some... Anna walked in, just would not walk into the room while I was playing Metroid Prime on a big TV, saying, oh, I, this is making me really nauseous. And it's like, well, that is legitimate <laughs> that makes yeah. sense yeah that that happens uh that happened to me with uh a, weirdly enough a 2d game uh shoot many robots or something i remember you saying that yeah i was confused yeah me you boner and ice blink i think all played it and like about 20 minutes in i got literally nauseous because of the way the camera moved but that is the only mm-hmm. game i've ever played um didn't you say that about echo the dolphin Oh, yeah, Echo the Dolphin's uh, camera does that to me as well, but I don't play Echo the Dolphin because I play good games. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. You so can't see one... me frowning, <laughs> but I'm making a really sad frown. My lip is, bottom lip is really big. It's just like... Uh, mm. imagining, that, imagining that picture of you with your wisdom tooth removed. Oh, yeah, I got those. I, I meant to say that when I was talking about what went down for me lately and i got my wisdom teeth taken out a week ago that is super fun it actually it actually went out went by fine like i was talking just fine that night and i was walking around the next day how many drugs did they have you on (laughs) um what's it called oxycodone oh yeah no wonder you were feeling great good god man yeah that'll do that'll do you up real good Mm. yep on the advil now Oh, good stuff. Although I have a hole in the back of my mouth, and I found out found that out today, and it was catching food, and they told me about that at my follow up appointment. So now oh. I'm just like messing with it with my tongue, and it's just horrible. guess what? Guess what? That guess what can happen there? You could infection. end up yeah, you could end up like me and get an infection, and then yeah, have your entire mouth blow up. 
Yeah, they gave me a syringe to flush it with water, and I've been just doing that like all day. <laughs> good job, good job. Like, okay, just, got it. flush, 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 flush. You're do you're actually going to be doing that while we're podcasting, just to make sure you're safe. <laughs> Probably. Uh, okay. Moving on. I've been looking at this animated screenshot from Cube <laughs> that I found at Google Image Search, and it's just undulating and yeah, kind of making some, my eyes hurt. It's a simple art style, but there's some really cool visuals towards the mm-hmm. end where it's just playing around with the mm-hmm. walls constructed of cubes and like how many shapes can you make with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wigging me out. All right, I need to close this, close this tab. <laughs> there. Oh, all right. So yeah, there was one room in that game where you you press a button and like the whole room rotates on its axis. Like hard to explain. Like no, I know what you mean. The whole thing rotates and yeah. I was stuck on this puzzle for like twenty minutes and then like all of a sudden I hit that button and like my stomach just moved with the room and I was just like, Oh my god, I have to stop playing this now. I almost threw up. <laughs> Never had anything like that happen before. Didn't they say that they couldn't do portal on the Oculus Rift because everybody just vomited? Yep. That's I'm, pretty funny. I'm, I'm a little scared of the Oculus now, having experienced this kind of motion sickness. Like, oh, yeah. that's no joke. And yeah. the latency will just make it just like. <laughs> I mean, you can it's a little yourself, bit scary. You can set yourself up in Portal to just fall forever. Like, yeah, that would be really scary. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, what else you playing? What you digging on? Uh, so next, I played Dragon's Crown. Booby game! Booby game! Booby Hooray! Game. Hooray for boobies! I like boobies. Hands up. Can we, can we just rename this the Booby Cast? Nope, too late. Shit. So, Dragon's Crown? So, that's free on PS Plus right now for the rest of August. If you are interested, you should pick it up. Uh, that's a beat-em-up. With online play, kind of like PSO, you get four people. Oh, for some reason, for some reason, I thought it was a fighting game all this time. No, it's a dr- it's like a dungeon crawler. Oh, it originally huh. it originally struck me That's as weird. it originally struck me as Guardian Heroes. It's it's pretty. I really close want to that. play Guardian Heroes, <laughs> but yeah, Dragon's Crown. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's Guardian Heroes is a pretty close comparison though, because a lot of characters have magic or abilities, and like I played as the sorceress who. Uh, is very limited in her mana pool. Like, you have to be recharging, like, constantly. And is very well endowed. She has very big boobs. <laughs> yes. Just passing that note along. I think I think, we're, I think we know that. Just, just, just I think sure. the whole internet knew about that. Yeah. Um, made it very clear. <laughs> just making sure. But Abundantly. The, the weirdest thing about that game is that you don't unlock online play until, like, halfway through. What? That was, yeah. I was like, am I missing something here? Like, so you're just going through the areas and, like, there's a story connecting it all. Like, you go through nine areas without any online play and you're just, like, doing quests, following the storyline. And then finally, it comes to this point where they go, like, for the story reasons, you have to visit all nine areas again. And then they finally unlock online play. Oh, my God. It's just really weird, like, five hours in. It sounds tedious. It's li- it's like the because I enjoyed it, but it when I realized what they were doing, it's like this is the longest tutorial ever. Oh my god! So have you played online with people? So then the online is kind of weird because you've got these nine areas, and then when you have to repeat them for storyline reasons, like every area has a split halfway through. Mm-hmm. Like you can go, oh, you can go the A path, or you can go to the B path. 
but not everyone in an online game has to go the same way. Oh, God. So, like... And these splits usually happen pretty quick early in the area. There's, like, one screen of enemies and then the split. So it's like you join a game, and you got four people, and then you go to the split. I click B, everybody else clicks A, and it's like it just dumps you in the B path with NPC versions of the people you were with. Wait, there... Okay, so it it, it dumps you in alone, but it brings NPC... Like, AI NPCs with you. It, it'll copy the people... the stats and of the people you were just playing right with, right but say npc on them that's dumb it's real it's really weird because like even if you're playing offline and you just are going through the areas just npcs will join you like like why wouldn't they just do like if it's four people in a party right yeah okay why wouldn't they just do like because uh, gears of war um does a lot of splitting up uh, and it just does it in two teams. It's just like, these two are going to go this way, and you just pick who's going to take which route. Which uh, I think this, is it's more sensible. Yeah, this is a little different. It's like, Yeah, that does sound like it makes a lot more sense. It's like, hmm, like, you're doing the forest area, and you can go north and fight the octopus, or you can go south and fight the kraken or something. And, like, they don't, the paths don't reconvene. I see. It's like there's really 18 areas, but they called it nine. It's hmm. just, it's kind of weird. So, I did play online for the most part, but hmm. the difficulty starts to get kind of all over the place once you're playing with people that might be, like, way higher level than you. Oh, mm-hmm. do, they, do they scale to level? I, I don't think so. Because it's like, when you're doing, like, the first nine areas originally, it seems geared for, like, levels one through 15, and then... Once you unlock online play, like, all the levels just automatically get harder. So then it's, like, scaled for, like, levels 15 through 30. But I'm not sure if they kick people out if they're, like, hanging around at level 50 or whatever. That's weird. And I don't think you can see other people's level. That's, Hmm. that's, I mean, it's a strange game, and I've had interest in it. It's a strange game. Um, you know, and I've admittedly had interest in it. I almost picked it up a couple of times because I've seen it, you know, around stores for like twenty bucks. But it's just, eh. it, 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 I like beat 'em ups. You know, don't get me wrong. You know, I like that. You know, but it's just I don't yeah. think that I don't think I had patience for the RPG type elements that are in it. The menus, I mean, the between town, the stuff in town does kind of drag a bit because there's like. Okay, now I've got to go to the talk to this lady and fix my items because everything is item degra- degradation. Then you've got to buy potions, and then you've got to talk to the guildmaster. And it's just like a couple minutes between missions in town every time. It starts to add up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't really have a lot of patience for beat 'em ups just anyway, unless I'm playing them playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with my <laughs> brother, or if it's treasure. So Streets of Rage too. But oh, we'll, and we'll I say this. I do want to play Streets of Rage too. I feel like that's the one that I will. The Streets of Rage games are the ones that I'll actually try to go through anyway. Yep, those are good. Um, so, <laughs> I guess it's like hell of a soundtrack. I guess it's like sprout a big old boner for you two time now and to blow your big hot load <laughs> all, all, right. over, all over this all next one. Right. So I'm gonna can I say it. Can I say it? I'm gonna sit back and let you two just <laughs> have at it, and I will interject with stupid opinions here and there. Okay, good time for a bathroom break, everybody. <laughs> All right, um, can I say it? Can I say it? Yeah. All right, Reed and I have been playing Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, both for the first time. Woo! Woo! 
So uh, I hear Polly played Ocarina of Time for the first time this year. Oh, How yeah. Well, why, don't we, why don't we tell us, why don't you say what you, your reaction to Ocarina of Time, since that's actually kind of relevant to Majora's Mask. Ocarina of Time is a game that I skipped when it came out because I was all, hey, I don't like this game. It's 3D and dumb, and 3D is dumb. <laughs> and I just... So you were Egoraptor. Yeah. yeah <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but uh, I... Don't know why. I just randomly grabbed the 3DS version this year um, and decided to just finally give it a go. And I really enjoyed it. I I don't I know, really like that game. I don't know why it clicked for me this time, uh, but I just I found the real sense of adventure. Uh, I really like the level design. Um, I think that there's some of like the best Zelda dungeons, dungeons that yeah, I've ever been in. I thought you know I thought that they were even better than the stuff that I played in Link to the Past, and I I love me some Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it even had a pretty decent story. Um, I mean, especially when you consider yeah, I know. Especially that's when you like the weird thing. <laughs> what counted for narrative at that point in time? Um, that was a really pretty well done story. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really touching. And, and yeah, um, I was just really impressed, and you know, it's just sort of like I am always doomed to be behind the times. You know, like it was like a year or two ago that I finished Super Mario sixty four for the first time. So, you know, <laughs> it's very relevant. It's, yeah. yeah, I actually want to really revisit that one. I feel like I might appreciate its um, appeal a lot more. Since I, can, I can appreciate what it did for mm-hmm. 3D yeah. games. Um, yeah, I always, I always resented Super Mario 64 because it wasn't like a linear. It? <laughs> it was like, well, it was, it wasn't a linear obstacle course. Exactly. And I really is, like. I love me some linear Mario obstacle courses. This is what I liked about Super Mario 3D World, um, uh-huh. and um, Galaxy and, and Galaxy. You know, I like, I like me some straight. Look, you know, my favorite games include Contra. You know, mm-hmm. I like simple and dumb, and at the time, it's just like, I, d- I did not like the whole open, you know, playground crap. Mm-hmm. I think it I th- absolutely think... made sense for the time, though. Exactly, yeah. it did. It did a lot uh, to push ideas forward, and, you know, I can really appreciate what both Zelda, uh, Ocarina of Time did, and Super Mario 64 did, because, mm-hmm. you know, I finally recently gave them a chance, and yeah, th- those games are definitely worth the hype that they get. So, cool. uh, you two go ahead. Okay. Have at it. One other thing, actually. What's the camera like in the 3DS version of Ocarina? It's really good. It it? I, so- I, was, I was pretty... Ha- you, you know how touchy I am about cameras and controls. You know that I am the kind of person that will drop a game if a camera pisses me off enough. And I, I did not at any point while playing the 3DS version feel that the camera got in the way of what I was trying to do, um, even, you know, whether I was Z-targeting. Uh, it's also got uh, a button you can press for a more free camera mode. Um, that's interesting. I think uh, that's new. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's on the touchscreen. Uh, and definitely the you know, swapping items being on the touchscreen also super rad because yeah that water temple i had heard <laughs> i had heard horror stories about it and um you know i i looked up video because i'd never played it before and i saw that not only is you know the item management part of that dungeon way easier but the the uh there are like l- lines that uh course through the area that guides you to the points to where you have to raise and lower the water so you can never get lost and you will always remember where they are because they're color-coded so that's pretty useful yeah it made you know so i I was 
th- I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I want to play the Master Quest at some point. Um, is that in there? Yeah, it's in there. Um, oh, that's really impressive. Yeah, you, you beat the game and you unlock the Master Quest, and uh, I do want to play that at some point to get a little mm-hmm. more life out of it and you know see what that's about. Um, but yeah, um, I guess this is the part where you two have to convince me or <laughs> unconvince me to play Majora's Mask. Go Can ahead. I go first? Can I go first? Yes, you can go first. <laughs> I really like Majora's Mask so far. I think it's really cool. I'm about, um, I'm past the second dungeon, and I just got the Zora Mask, and I really like it a lot. And, um, okay, so <laughs> it probably has the best, like, first 45 minutes. Oh, yes, the intro is of, really like, any incredible. Zelda game I've played, except for, except for uh, probably Link to the Past. I have played that part of the sharp. game. I have played that part of the game, and I will agree, the introduction to that game is simply phenomenal. Uh, the whole part up to the first time you go back in time is just really cool and engaging and kind of sets things up really well. Yeah, definitely. After that, you, after that you're... Um, you get introduced to the basic idea of Clock Town, which is this main kind of main area where you have a whole bunch of different people who have like their own life. It's kind of Shenmue. I, I haven't really played Shenmue, but um, I imagine that's what Shenmue is kind of like. Is yeah. you have all these people with their schedules, and you're trying to like figure out their lives and their problems and what's up with them, where they are going in, at any point, and just kind of piecing together this puzzle of all these different people in this environment, which I find really, really interesting. And it counters that with a much, with a way more traditional Zelda structure where you leave the town and then go to other areas and kind of solve some more kind of people oriented puzzles, but then just do a dungeon and then rewind time and then go back to the town and try to figure out the people some more. So that part of it, I find really engaging um, there's the the couple side quest with Anfei and whoever that I haven't gone through yet, but I've heard really, really interesting things about how it plays with kind of the time mechanic. So I'm excited to see how that part resolves. And I've also heard really cool things about how the game ends. So I'm really excited to see how that part resolves as well, just the whole Skull Thread Kid plot line. But I think it balances that town, which is just this giant little five basically like five rooms and then a bunch of little little rooms and it is really dense with people and stuff and things little mysteries to uncover and i think the dungeons are really sharp for zelda games i've played and i really appreciate that both of the first two bosses i fought did not require using the item that you got in the dungeon i thought that the second boss which is like basically a race in a weird way I haven't He's, gotten to him yet. Okay, I won't say anything else about it, but I think the second boss is really cool and kind of emblematic of what makes that kind of the, the Majora's Mask dungeons more interesting to me than the dungeons in like Wind Waker and Skyward Sword, which yeah. um, feel much more like they're kind of leading you along and you're using items in really shallow ways and it yeah. doesn't really engage me at all. You know what? Okay. I played Skyward Sword, and you know what I was? <laughs> Skyward Board. Boom. <laughs> didn't you Shots. like it at the time? <laughs> Fuck no. Okay. You finished it. I finished it, but I didn't like it. <laughs> I, pay, I paid 50 bucks for it. I'm going to finish it. 
I think you have. How much is your I think time your, worth? Your opinion has changed. I think you were like, "Oh, it's much better than I've heard from people. It's not that bad." And I think there's a. I haven't I played Skyward Sword. Your previous opinions. I think what happened. She probably liked it at the start, but there's apparently the fetch quest like two thirds through. Yeah, it's just like there you go. That ga- that yeah. part of the game it like, wrecks it. I didn't. I don't think that as a Zelda game, that game holds up very well at all because it's just so f- not focused on exploration mm-hmm. and just the fun adventure elements you want in a Zelda game. But what really just pissed me off at the end was the way they were just purposefully padding it out. Uh huh. Wind Waker does that too. Yep. With the and, I, and I was like, and I for and it was the same thing with me with Wind Waker. I played Wind Waker and was just like singing it. Like, you weren't singing it to the heavens, but I was singing Wind Waker to the skies and praising <laughs> it to high heaven and saying how amazing it was. And it's just... Were you singing, really, it, to, were you singing it to Skyloft? Skyloft. And just, like, that, that game is really sloppy in a lot of the same ways. So, so I'm, wait, try, I'm trying to link as many <laughs> jokes here together as I can. Yeah. Weren't you, like, so, 12 when that game came out? <laughs> uh, it was 2004, right? I think it's two thousand two. Literally in elementary school. I think it was two thousand two. Oh, literally in like second grade. Okay, probably <laughs> pretty close to twelve, maybe younger. That's just blowing my mind because in second grade I was playing like Zelda two, probably. That's pretty funny. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, yeah, I really we? like Majora's Mask, <laughs> but I can also understand why someone would be disappointed that it's not like weirder because it does still fall into a lot of the same Zelda yeah. notes. Which I think is what kind of your thing is. So you you go ahead. I'll shut up. <laughs> I'm not sure where to start with this. So I really like the idea of you have a time limit and the game ends in three days and you have to restart. Because that's an idea I've really wanted to visit in one of my games sometime. Like having a game where you can't save and you just have to start from the beginning every time. But as you learn new ticks, chips, bleh, tips and tricks, you can go through faster. And so... This is a weird, weird, specific thing that I'm going to mention not, here. Not in like a shmup way, but in like a more conceptual RPG in more, in more way. more of a puzzle way, like if yeah. a character tells you a password and then you just write the password down and then you restart you the game. You can play against the, a time limit. Yeah. So like, this is a really weird offshoot, but this is my experience. Uh, do you guys remember Just Cause 2? Yes. Yes. Do you remember the demo for Just Cause 2? Yes. No. <laughs> you probably remember me playing that like 20 times. I remember you playing that for about 50 hours. I put like 50 hours into the demo. So the thing about the demo for that game was it was a small area of the map. Because that game is huge. But the demo was timed to 30 minutes. And the first time you play it, like, you don't even finish like the one mission in the game. And then... You play it a few more times, you can eventually like figure out and beat the mission. And I was really proud when I managed to do that. And then eventually, I played this demo so many times, I eventually figured out that like if you just turned around at the very start and ran like up the side of a mountain, there was a base back there, and you could steal a helicopter, and like within five minutes have like everything in the oh. demo done. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty crazy. So it was just this weird meta meta game of like figuring out how badly i could break this demo by just playing it over and over and like having this time limit because then that game is about like blowing up bases and destruction so every time all the bases would reset and you'd destroy them all over again then when i got the, the actual like game proper you destroy everything once and it's done and it's just kind of 
weird. Like, you kind of lost. Sure. You kind of lost that sense of achievement uh, you got from the demo from having that yeah. like, that Majora's Mask like experience. That's it's really a funny. weird, weird thing to say, but yeah, it was kind of cool how figuring out how much how fast can I cause as much destruction as possible rather than just causing the destruction once the, and having it be done. The Darksiders um, demo uh, was a time demo. It was an hour, uh, and you could do pretty much the same thing. Uh, that was pretty awesome. Uh, it started you, I think, near the first dungeon of the game, um, and you had like an hour to get in there and try to get it done, and then it would eventually time you out. And you, you get that same sense of accomplishment if you could go in there and actually finish it. Because you would learn yeah. the the, t- the tricks of the dungeon, so it's kind of similar in that way. So yeah, I was really hoping Majora's Mask would go further in that direction of like practice through repetition and then re- getting really good, like a, a speedrunner's game kind of. Yeah, but uh-huh. for normal people. <laughs> but then, like an hour to the game, you get a spell that lets you slow down time, and suddenly the time uh, limit is never yeah. make never like pressing ever again. So it's like the first 45 minutes, as you mentioned, are really good. It's like, I'm looking for this fairy, and then I figure out where the fairy is, and now I know where that fairy is forever, so I'd, even if I fail, I can just go right to it this time. And then you'd play the game with the stupid kids, and then they give you the password. It's like, okay, I don't need to know to play with them again, because I know the password. And then, you know, you s- rewind time, and the scarecrow teaches you the slow time song. So you go from, like, the first three days taking, like, 45 minutes to three days taking like four hours or something mm-hmm. ridiculous like i have not felt any time pressure whatsoever in the game yeah there's then. The, the, once you get the time spell then there's basically yeah. just never any time pressure at all and it's weird because i'm still super attentive to it like i will get one item from an npc and then immediately reset time be like okay i gotta reset the clock that's, that's how i would play it because the time time limits just mess with me Mm-hmm. In a weird way, that's something that's same always, with Anna. It's something that's always weirded me out about that game and why I've never played. It's like I just suck at anything that is timed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, I guess it, that makes it more appealing <laughs> since it doesn't really go all the way with it that. Really doesn't like. I think I could do like never actually reach day two. Pretty much the way I'm playing it, like resetting mm-hmm. it so much. Wow. Because like, so in the lead up to the first dungeon, like you gotta save these characters and like figure out this plot line but every step of the way like you'll get a new item which means that once you reset time you can skip a lot of that stuff so it's like i'm just resetting over and over and over and it's like i'm still in the first couple hours of the first day the whole time mm-hmm. and there was one time where like i thought i had they thought i learned how to use the magic beans and then i reset time and i go back and the npc is like i can't sell you magic beans you don't know how to use it i'm like just fucking sell them to me. I'll figure it out. <laughs> That's really funny. I had to learn. I had to go to the um, guy who teaches you how to use the powder keg twice because I didn't go back and get the certification. Oh, geez. Which yeah. Is pretty funny. I'm pretty close to that part. Uh huh. Because I have. So right now I'm at the second dungeon. I haven't saved or I haven't done the second dungeon yet. As soon as I just stepped in there, I was like, okay, time to reset. The second time. dungeon is really good. It's kind of vertically oriented like the first dungeon, Ocarina. Cool. I really dig it. Oh, that's one thing I wanted to say about Ocarina is like, I think the, um, the puzzle where you jump into the web at the bottom by jumping from the top of the tree into it to cause it to break yeah. is probably my favorite Zelda puzzle just ever. That's a really cool moment. Uh, cause it does, it's not, there's no lock and key 
baloney nonsense to it. You're not like, oh, I have the hook shot now, so now I can find these square panels and pull myself to them. It's yeah, just completely conceptual. Like, it's how can it's I organic. get past that? Oh, it's organic. It's, it's like, like it's like a Team Ico puzzle, basically. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it feels like a part of the world, like something natural. Yeah, that, it's a spider web. It's not yeah, a door. It, it's, yeah, it's not a weird mechanism. It's not a button. It's not an eye switch. It's mm-hmm. just, hey, grab a stick and mm-hmm. jump through. It's not Wind Waker. Oh, I have the grapple hook. Now I can get around. Now I can use trees to cross gaps. <laughs> and now right. I have the hook shot. Now I can use these square panels to cross gaps. And I have the hook shot and the grapple Cook and yeah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so yeah, that that I think is a really good puzzle, and I think Majora's Mask captures more of that than any of the other 3D Zelda later 3D Zeldas I've played. I have, although I haven't played Twilight Princess, which here actually has some really good dungeons. So I'm not. I, I really can't say if they were actually good dungeons i just thought they were neat thematically like okay there's one that's like a castle in the sky that's really cool that's cool and there's like a, a reversion of the temple of time mm-hmm. they're cool visually i'm not sure if they hold up as like puzzle boxes and stuff i thought about replaying or trying to get into that again <clears throat> but i haven't done it yet yeah i just can't get interested at all because i know the story um what story did- uh, yeah, it just kind of just, goes I, off. I just the like the aesthetic. And, and I, I, I also know that the first five hours are so bullshitty. It's not. Well, it's not as bad as Skyward Board. Well, nothing is. <laughs> um, but I really liked. Uh, I really like Twilight Princess's uh, okay. aesthetic. I think. It's, uh, I think that yeah. game looks really distinct. Mm-hmm. I heard someone say it was just compared to the Team Ico aesthetic and. Which is probably pretty. That's valid pretty fair. Comparison. That's that's pretty fair. Yes. It's Zelda trying to kind of adopt that realist aesthetic. Which yeah, that that was that I can definitely see the appeal there. I was gonna so say I, the, I might tell you at some point. I was gonna say it's not the first five hours that are boring. It's the intro isn't as long as Skyward Sword. Okay, but, it's more like the first two or three then. But I, I, just I kind of agree with you then because the first couple dungeons are not that great. And there's mm-hmm. this Twilight Realm stuff that's kind of boring. Yeah, like collecting. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah. Collect- they make you play around as the wolf and, like, collect stuff in town. It's just so boring. It's like, why is this here? The scavenger hunt. Mm. They, they stop doing that later in the game because, th- thank God. <laughs> it's just this dumb padding. Like, Yeah, mm-hmm. it very similar. You know, like, all, like, almost all the 3D Zelda games post-Wind Waker all have some kind of ridiculous padding, it seems like. Yeah. And I guess the main thing with Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword is that I honestly, a big part of why I play 3D Zelda games is for the story. Like, uh-huh. I think Ocarina, <laughs> I think Majora's Mask, and I think Wind Waker all have really cool narratives to them. And everyone, no one is really excited about twi- how Twilight Princess resolves outside of Midna, which everyone loves. And no one, nobody's excited about, um, I never hear anybody get excited about Skyward Sword's narrative. And I kind of looked around at both spoilers for both, and they just looked pretty uninteresting. Yeah, they seem to go nowhere. Mm. I think Wind Waker has a great ending. I'm not sure about the narrative. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it is more just like a good beginning and that the middle part with the frozen Hyrule and then a great ending. And then everything else is kind of... That ending, though. (laughs) 
It's such a good ending, though. <laughs> it's so good. I, I, wa- yeah. I watched, uh, I watched a friend of mine, uh, Eric, uh, most people know him as Cosmic Bomber or Eric's Joystick. I watched him uh, stream the end of the HD version, and yeah, that, that game's climax it's is so good. So good. Oh. It's like, I, I'm not one for wanting to play a game once I've been spoiled, but even I was just like, I want to experience that because it just looks mm-hmm. so badass. And the water rushing all around. It's my fa- probably my favorite <laughs> version of Ganon as a character. Hell yes. It's, it's definitely Ugh. the best Ganon, like, uh-huh. as it's a human at least. He's so much more, like, interesting and also kind of scary because he has, like, this kind of weight and dignity. Yeah. yeah and that, it, and then, that, then the dignity collapses when he just realizes <laughs> that he's had what he wanted snatched away. So he just says, well, I can just kill you then. <laughs> That's the final boss. He's already lost, but he's just going to fucking kill you. Ocarina of Time sort of has the same thing. Mm-hmm. Oh god, Ocarina's final boss is so good. I really Ocarina's love that. Climax I love I love that ending sequence as well. That was uh, just so good. Escaping the castle too. Yeah. After yeah. fighting Ganon. It was Ooh. so good. Ooh. So good. And the lighting. That that's actually one thing that threw me off the 3DS version a little bit is that yeah, they, they kind of brightened up. It. Yeah. They brightened up the lighting for the final boss. Yeah. Did the screen comparison and the original was a good bit creepier. Yeah, I, I definitely for that specific scene and sequence, like when mm-hmm. I when I watched uh, so, um, some video of it after I finished the game, just to you know, sort of compare the two because I didn't want to play through the game again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. Like watching the end, it was just like it's way creepier on the N sixty four version. Uh huh. It's N sixty four games kind of have a creepiness to them almost inherently, just the way that they're. That, that's kind of something I feel like Majora's Mask plays into a little bit. Is just the weird alienness of the N64 polygons. It, it uses the uh, it, it uses the limitations as a strength. Totally. But yeah, that Ganon fight on the N64 where it's Ooh. really, really dark. You, you only, can't see him, really. Yeah, it's just a silhouette, and then every once in a uh-huh. while the lightning strikes, and you get a glimpse. It's, it's creepy. It's so oh. much better. So much better. Uh-huh. Ooh, that's a good... That's a really good ending. And then Twilight Princess ending is just kind of... Yeah. It tries too hard. Uh-huh. Like, do you remember that, Polly? The ending of... I oh. never finished uh, Twilight Princess. Oh. Uh, I, got to the sum- I got to the sumo minigame. I thought you finished that game. No, no. I got to the sumo minigame and I got pissed off. You really never got past that. I really never got past you that. Fuck, what? That's really funny. I swear to God, I thought you beat that game. No. Oh my god! I, I have I have seen others play it, but I have never finished it myself because oh that, that that sumo mini. You know how short tempered I am when it comes to games making me do things that they've never made me do before. Yeah, but every time you're like, I quit, and then I'll message you two hours later, and you're like still trying it. <laughs> every time, Portal. Oh my god, that's funny. Final boss. Are there portal. any actual? Are there any actual required minigames in... What are the required minigames in um, Majora's Mask so far? I have no idea. Yeah. I haven't... I think there are some minigames, but I don't... I think most of there's, them have been optional. There's a lot of minigames. There's a lot, there of, mini a lot of minigames. And it seems most of them are just um, for, like, upgrades. Like, that you yeah. don't really need... Like, you don't need 50 arrows, dude. I did one early on where... 
you're jumping as a Deku between these moving platforms, and it's like really hard because you float really slowly, and the depth perception is not great because it's an N64 game. So like I try like ten times, and I finally beat it, and the guy gives me fifty rupees. I'm just like, what the? F- I don't need these. <laughs> I'm gonna lose these when I reset in two minutes. <laughs> Have you found the bank? Yeah, I did find the bank okay. later, and then I was. Because you get bank. you get the bigger ro- wallet once you've given her two hundred rupees. So here's the thing about the bank: the lady apparently is an idiot because she sta- You give her so say you give her fifty rupees. She says she's going to stamp your hand that says I owe you fifty rupees. Right. Then you can reset time to where that never actually happened, but you've still got the stamp on your hand. So you go talk to her again. She's like, "Oh yeah, Link, I owe you fifty rupees." That doesn't. Even though time has been it reset, makes, it makes sense because you have the stamp on your head. It it's silly, but it does make like logical sense that she looks at you and you have a receipt for fifty dollars from her bank. So she gives. But she to says you. she remembers you, and that's yeah, what say makes it, it funny. Yeah, that's that's the part that okay. makes it weird. Okay, I don't actually remember that then. <laughs> and it's also kind of weird that because the first few times I played the was reset in time i thought it was really cool how you started with no money every time and it's like making rupees actually useful not, yeah making them matter for once yeah because rupees are like they're not shit in these games like, never they never so the fact that you actually started with zero and then like i'm trying to memorize like where the holes in the ground outside town are because you just run in there open a chest get 20 rupees and then you can buy something so I thought that was really neat, kind of like what I was talking about with uh, Just Cause 2 demo. Yeah, and it gives <laughs> it an incentive to not reset time constantly. Yeah, and then I find this bank, and it's like, you can just throw the monies in there and reset time, and then go get them out, and it's like, well, you've just broken a huge part of your game. Yep. Yeah. And then- it, it feels like um, it had a different director. Um, it wasn't Miyamoto who directed it. Alnema? Yeah. Yeah, him. And... Um, it feels like he kind of compromises a lot of what he is interested in to make it feel more like a Miyamoto game. And you feel that a lot in Wind Waker, where I feel like it really actively cripples the game. But I think they only had a year to turn that out, too. Yeah, apparently it yeah, was Majora's a year. Mask. Yeah, so Majora, the fact that Majora's Mask came out in a year is pretty astounding to me. But uh, that Which makes sense for all the reused assets, asset use, then. Yeah, it's it's pretty shameless, like, exact same character models and stuff, and, like, the world doesn't even really look different. But but they compromised, and they made something really freaking really cool weird. that you had never exactly. seen before. Exactly. I just, I just wish they went further with it. Yeah. Like, the time limit is so not an issue once you... Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's just, for me, the time limit is less the appeal, and more it's the strategy and puzzle solving of figuring out the townspeople and not at, and the time pressure isn't actually what's interesting about that to me it's what time are they doing these things and I'll meet up at them at this time to do this thing and meet them at this time to do this thing so it's it's never fun for me because oh god the time limit's running out I'm the world's going to be destroyed it's more cerebral I guess I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, I I get that. I haven't done, dug uh-huh. too much into the town people stuff. Mm-hmm. I only just but it's got definitely like it definitely doesn't have like a complete. It definitely doesn't probably do everything it could with that time limit. Yeah, hook. Because like the first dungeon, Zelda dungeon, is pretty small. It's pretty linear. You've got a couple side rooms that have stuff like the map and the compass, which aren't essential. So then most of, 
like seventy percent of the way through the dungeon, you get the bow, and then you can, naturally, yeah. Then you can shoot eyes, which open doors. Yeah, yes. but the interesting thing to me was that the eye you shoot when you coming through the dungeon the first time, you're on the second floor and you can shoot straight ahead to shoot this eye. But I'm thinking, say I have to reset this dungeon. I'll be on the first floor then. I can aim up and shoot that eye, which activates a lift, which I'll be able to jump on and skip like half the dungeon. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if they're actually going to make you do dungeons multiple times because I haven't finished yeah. the game yet. Yeah, that would be cool if they do make you do that. Um, except I don't. Except I know they don't because I revisited a dungeon. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> I revisited a dungeon. It. I will. I revisited a dungeon and it's cool. The boss notices that you're carrying its basically its corpse, and it's like, what the hell? You're carrying my dead essence. Come fight me, asshole. And then he opens up a portal <laughs> to the boss room. Yeah, and I have so, to so if you want to beat... Fir- so if they, may, they might make you refight the bosses at the end in one day, which I think could be fun, but I don't know. Yeah, I might have to do the first dungeon again to see that. That's there are there aren't as many dungeons in this game. There's only four. I, yeah, so so having mm-hmm. to redo the which bosses I like a again, lot. which means you, know, you I guess that they're much bigger. Not, Not the really. First. They're about as big as a regular ocarina dungeon. Interesting. I think the first they take like about an hour, maybe. I see. I think the first one's like significantly smaller than an ocarina dungeon. Yeah, I actually. It's, yeah, I think it is smaller than like the. Um, Deku it's like dungeon. six rooms or something in two floors. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the first dungeon. I like the second. Du- the second dungeon is a significant step up, I think, in scale and just kind of interest, especially with the boss. That's cool. I just wish there was more about the repetition and the time pressure because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. Have you guys played uh, It'll Do? Yeah. I've so that's that's the Zelda ish game where you get these items like a fire sword and a portal gun not a portal gun but a portal wand and mm-hmm. the the goal of that game is speed running so like it's about figuring out like the fastest way to get through these areas with these tools and then there's alternate paths you can do when you only have one or two of the tools and so those dun- would- and those dungeons are neat because they can be done with any set of items yeah that is oh that's tremendous the big Zelda problem is when they just get, the dungeon is all keyed around one item and then they give you the item, and now you can go across this gap yeah. and then fight yeah. the boss, it'll, and then you never use that item again. It'll do blows that out of the water. Good. Hero Core is another game that does that. It's entire There are upgrade, up, upgrades, but you can go straight to the final boss and <laughs> not fight any of the other enemies. <laughs> wow. And it's purely paced through difficulty and wanting to not go through the easier areas first and get upgrades that aren't essential they just make your life easier shit i think i, I think, stole that idea for the game i wanted to make i think Hirocore kicks all kinds of ass with the zelda structure and the metroid structure and it's one of my favorite like kind of examples of that and skewing that in a neat way so yeah i wish majora's mask had been a little bit more in that direction like weirder well yeah. just like item progression to make dungeons possible to do multiple ways Mm-hmm. Like, if the first dungeon, you had to do it, but you have the bow at the start, you can hit that one switch at the start and hop up an elevator and be, like, done the dungeon in, like, ten minutes. Which is way more clever than opening a portal at the start. Which is it, what they d- do. Wait, what? Which is more... Ah. Which, which doing it like that is would be have been more 
structuring the dungeons so you can trivially do them once you have the item would be way yeah. more interesting than just opening a portal at the start. Wait, it, if I go to back to the first dungeon, there's going to be a portal to the boss at the start? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Oh my god, that's so stupid. Like I said, the <laughs> boss like calls out and goes, What the fuck, dude? Oh, You're thought, carrying my corpse. I thought You're you had f- to get to him first. No. Oh my god. No, that's and then he opens the portal. You just ruined this game for me. <laughs> Sorry. And, and especially coming off of Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter, oh, which God. is just like the most harsh, which takes this really oppressive time limit idea and just carries it as far as it'll fucking go. I, I, when you were talking, yeah, like when you were talking about, like when Rhett was talking about um, how he wanted the time crunch, I was thinking about how you were playing Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter and I was thinking, you know, uh-huh. Rhett might like that. Yeah, but it, it's a harsh fucking game. Oh, it's- um, but really the, fucking harsh. but it's I really played. clever with how it uses its 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 time mechanic. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think playing Dragon Quarter before Majora's Mask does make Majora's Mask feel a lot more compromised in comparison. Whereas if I played Ocarina, which is really good and also like one of the most traditional and kind of conservative games out there in a lot of respects, going from that to Majora's Mask would feel like my mind was just blown because in comparison to ocarina it's completely weird and out there and progressive is, and interesting is it though i just i think so i think that i think that central, after the first hour it just doesn't feel that crazy i don't know once I you think get into the swamp i think it it's all the stuff in the town i think that makes it good makes it really interesting and there, probably the ending's really good i imagine but, how many M- so how many NPCs are you talking to in the town, though? I re- really haven't found that many outside like, like the marriage quest. at least, like, ten si- side quest things you can do around town. It's it's pretty dense. There was one where I went to, a, went to the inn at 12 o'clock at night and went to the toilet. Oh, I saw and that. And a hand reached out and said, do you have anything? To, I need some paper. And I gave him this deed I had. And he, said, and he pulled it under the stall and said, thank you. And it was this creepy, like, weird Tim Burton-y thing hand. And then it just goes, thank you, and then tosses a piece of heart out. Wow. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So the whole town is filled like, little touches like that. And I think that's what makes it a genuinely interesting and progressive game in comparison to Ocarina. Yeah, and it's I, not the time crunch. It's the it's, it's a game. It's the fact is a big mechanic in the game is keeping managing your schedule. You get a schedule organizer <laughs> and a timekeeper, and you're supposed to figure out where to be at different times. But how much does that really? What? Play in? How That's, much does that really play in though? When once you finish a side quest, it stays completed in future loops. Well, it doesn't stay completed, but you keep the. Item. You keep the reward, which is yeah. what you're doing it for. Yeah, the an ideal world, it would be like a Groundhog Day thing where you're trying to figure out how to schedule and be, it so that you make yeah. everybody happy by the end of the day. And again, and that's you're where actually I said, being a good person. I wish they had gone further with the stuff. Yeah. Where it's like you have okay, to save every character in the game to beat it mm-hmm. in the same cycle. Mm hmm. And a lot of it feels like I don't have the items required to complete mm-hmm. some of those. Well, then you just have to go play the Zelda part. 
Yeah, that's exactly. It's and, like I want to go to the farm before on day one, but I can't because there's a giant boulder there, and I'm sure I'm going to get that giant bomb to blow it up. But I can't yet because I haven't beat the second dungeon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you have to do so all that like, stuff. But you, you get infinite time to do all the rest of the side quests once all <laughs> the dungeons are done. You what? Can, once once the dungeons are done, you can go. You'll have all the items, and then you can do as many side quests as you want before you go and beat the game. Oh, I thought you said infinite time, which meant like like they stop the timer, like they actually oh, no. stop the timer. No, that, no, 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 no. that'd, that'd be, be terrible. Because that's like a huge, you know, like the no, third that would, day. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah, that would be dumb. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what I meant. Is that once okay, you yeah. completed the Zelda game, then you can mess around on the puzzle box as much as you want. And you said you liked Ocarina, so it's still a good Zelda game. When you speaking was a Zelda long game. time ago. <laughs> okay. I think I'm kind of on board with this game now. Okay. I- I'm yep. pretty on board with Majora's Mask. I like what I'm hearing. I understand that like the time element is compromised, but when you think about how I want to play a Zelda game, I think that yeah. works for me because it's not as much of a stressor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like Prince of Persia. Like It basically. won't drive my OCD insane because I know that I can go back. You know, and it, The one... It, the one thing that might drive you crazy is the save system. What's uh, the, the what's, save system is like p- completely pointlessly obtuse. Not, well, not really obtuse, but like obnoxious. The only way to make a hard save is to reset time. Oh, yeah. So wow. I actually think there's another. I haven't done it, but because I'm just save stating because I'm an emulator. Oh, but I think. Um, I I'm think you can save at all the owl statues and make a you hard can. save there. Yeah, you can save at owl statues, but they're like one-time saves. So oh. you could, in theory, like save at a bunch of owl statues and then turn the game off, and your save will be at the start of that cycle because you didn't make a hard save. Are you sh- really? Oh, so the owls are a soft save. Then. Yeah, oh. they, they huh. warn you. The owls warn you when you come back that like you have to make a hard save or go to another owl. So does anything carry over when you have to restart the cycle from saving from an owl, or is it just, I need to quit now? And- it probably just boots you back. That's that's weird. I didn't know that. But yeah, that that is kind of interesting. Like, Ocarina just has a button on the menu that says save, right? I think you just hit start yeah, and save a, and quit. Yeah, you yeah. can save and quit from anywhere in Ocarina. Yeah, you, can't, you cannot do that in Majora's Mask. I think either there's the weirdo thing, stuff with the owls, or you restart time but except for the dungeons you're restarting time basically every time you fit into a little side quest so and it's you're restarting time a lot so it, do, it doesn't sound that bad yeah i think i could handle it i just think yeah, if they like, make a ha- if they yeah, do re- a handheld version they're gonna have to change that because it's crazy oh yeah absolutely. well it's a portable game uh, there's yeah. definitely got to be an, an easier solution if you're making a portable game I've got to be able to stop, and I don't think yeah. just telling me to close the mm-hmm. 3DS is the best option. Yeah. Dragon Quarter has save tokens, so you can only save a limited amount, and they're very hard to come by in-game. Oh game. my god. In an RPG? In an RPG. <laughs> that sounds can, almost too brutal. You can do a quick save, but um, if you die on any of the bosses, which can definitely happen... Um, you'll be booted back to your last hard save. And I did maybe six hard saves. And I had to do the last five bosses. Yes, it's about 15 hours. And I did the last last five bosses, which are the hardest bosses in the game. 
and I had to do most of them without using any of my magical dragon power because I used too much of it early on. And I had to do that whole gauntlet twice because I died on the last boss right before I was able to land a last hit because I just ran out of dragon power. Oh my god! So I had to do the last two hours of the game and use about one and a half percent less dragon power on a previous (laughs) boss, which was very hard. That's that's fucking nuts. And then I beat it, and it felt, and I had like ninety nine point six five percent on my meter. And it felt fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. So Majora's so, Mask is pretty good. Yes. I like Majora's Mask, and I think I'm going to love it by the end, because the two I best parts I of do. the game... Because the best parts of the game, as I understand it, are the Anfei side quest and the ending. So I'm really excited about those parts. So dig into more side quests, Rourke. I, but again, I can't because there's oh, the Zelda right. game in the way. Right, right, right. You've right, got yeah, to get right. more stuff. Well, yeah, so it's half half weirdo Shenmue thing and half really. I've got to get the Zelda, Zelda item thing. I've got to get the as Zelda long as you're okay with it being a Zelda game, then um, I'm pretty good with yeah. that. I'm yeah. pretty good with that. It so, might be really weird going from the 3DS remake of Ocarina Two, yeah, and 64 game. Yeah, it might be, but um. You know, I I think I can I'm managing deal. fine. I think I can deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's not the only Zelda game, game that you need to talk about, is yeah, it? Yeah, I just beat <laughs> Zelda two. Wow! For the first time, I so thought, tell yeah. me about the Zelda series. Yeah. I'm sorry. Let's hear something about Zelda. We haven't talked about that yet, so let's hear it. Mm-hmm. I really loved Zelda two. I thought it was awesome. I loved all of it. That's a bit of an opinion. Yeah, I played it and played it over like four or five days and peeked out a walkthrough for a couple parts because it's an old NES game. And I'm, I think all of the puzzles are most of the puzzles are logical to the point where I can see myself figuring them out if I'm a kid with this ge- playing this game over like a year and like bashing my head against it. <laughs> which is but what they're designed, which is what days. they're designed for. Yeah. Sell strategy guides and give you brain cancer. Exactly, which is what the original Zelda was like too. So I, I kind of am actually okay with that, and I'll ju- I just kind of walk through past a few of the hard parts, and I didn't really walk through it for the dungeons at all, which I thought was cool. Did and, you get uh, lost in Death Mountain? No, I, I um I, I walked through that one. Yeah, I've heard that's really yeah. Crazy. It, well, actually, I think you just go right for most of it. Just, but you don't, it is, it you is wouldn't no, know that your first time. Yeah, it is That's no true. treat at all. I did not okay. oh, no. Yeah, okay. That definitely I feel like that's definitely the big difficulty spike that's kinda that's unfair. Yeah. And I think there are probably a number of those parts in the game. Um and I and I beat Shadow Link using the trick. Of because course. I'm shameless. <laughs> And, um, well, early NES bosses, especially in NES games, were just kind of bullshit anyway. If you look at like yeah. Metroid, if you look at Metroid bosses and you look at Kid Icarus, it's just like <laughs> it's just random it, crap happening. Yeah, you just you, there's no there's no like avoiding damage. You just like run in there, hope and you can tank shoot it. shit, and hope that you there's no pattern. Manage. There's there's it's just random shit is happening. Yeah. Go. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think Zelda 2 is fantastic. I think it's a very smart evolution of the first Zelda game. And it makes me sad that there wasn't a Zelda game that came out um, in, like, 1989 or 1990 for the original Game Boy. I am really 
curious wish. to what they would have done because a lot of yeah. those early Game Boy games were really interesting, like especially when you consider Super Mario Land. Yeah, I um, love Super Mario Land. Operation one. C was a really cool um, Operation C, love that one. Super awesome Contra game that, you know, it, where they could have just taken the NES games and just, you know, shrunk them down and ported them over. They managed to always try to do something different, you know, and I, I really liked a lot, that a lot about um, those early Game Boy games. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wish that there was one more Zelda game with that kind of limited technology that came out before Link to the Past kind of solidified yeah. what Zelda is. Yeah. And like Link's Awakening, it it it's a great game and probably my favorite of the bunch, but um, it doesn't it didn't have to be on the game boy to kind of be that experience it could have been a super nintendo game or anything and it's you can feel how it's been shaped by link to the past design versus something just way more alien like zelda 2 yeah yeah and um i guess that's all i really want to say about that except that um i really like the combat a lot i think it's probably the most engaging experience i've had in a zelda game it, it does not feel fair in any way when you first start playing <laughs> yeah uh, I it, imagine. when you start running into um um, um, um what is it dark nuts or the, like the dudes in the armor that have the shield yeah mm-hmm. when you start running into dudes like that like in the first dungeon you're just like what the fuck do you want me to do game this is uh-huh. so bullshit the, the only one i could never really fig- figure out with the boomerang guys because they're it feels like you can't really be dodging every attack with them. Yeah. Um, every other guy, I, I kind of figure it out. Yeah, and it's, it's not that hard to figure out. And you mm-hmm. can you can cheese most of the night enemies anyway by just, mm-hmm. like, jumping and doing a late slash on your way down. Mm-hmm. Also, it's super kinetic because so much of it is reaction. Yeah. You can't really memorize how to handle each each enemy. You do, like, unless you're cheesing it. But Yeah, because they're not do. always, they don't always come at you the same way. They're not always going to attack, mm-hmm. you know, up and then down. You can't, yeah. you know, you've got to watch you know, and react very quickly because, like, the windows you know, in those games back then were pretty damn small. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. those, are my, those are also, like, my favorite Mega Man bosses are like that. Like, when I tried to fight Vile, um, Without any upgrades or the dash boots. Oh God! In Mega Man X One, oh, and it's really hard. <laughs> but actually figuring out how to do it is basically like figuring out a really hard Zelda Two enemy, and it's really satisfying because it's just so kinetic. I see. And um, uh, I'll go over this next one really quickly because we could probably talk about it for a million years. But I'm I'm watching uh, my fiance play Persona Four. She's yeah. actually playing it in the other room, and it's just as fun as I remembered. Oh, yeah, Persona <laughs> Persona Four. You know what can you say about it now, other than the fact that holy shit, Atlas, move on, please. <laughs> oh, I can't believe they're still doing Persona Four stuff. It's it. Like, I love I love that, was that a PS2 world. Game. I love that world. I love those characters, but I've really it's had serious. enough of them. Yeah, I, I've I, had I've, enough of them. I've experienced and... none of the spinoff stuff, and I couldn't be happier for you're, it. You're smart. <laughs> you're smart. I was dumb, and it was like, hey, I'll play this fighter, which is, it's a good fighter. I like it. I think it's a damn solid fighting game. Um, but, you know, like, the story, they're adding, you know, it's just like, it's, I guess it's canon, you know, that this is like, here's more of Persona 4 
when there really didn't need to be any, and now we're oh, trying, God, no. and now we're mixing in Persona Three as well, and it's like this what? Time, yeah, yeah. Persona Four Arena mixes in um, a lot. Persona of, Three Canon. Yeah, and like the world, you know, like they meet each other. You've got Mitsuru, you've got Akihiko. They, you know, Weird. And, and that's such a different world anyway, and tone anyway. Yeah, because like Persona, Persona Four 3. is happy go lucky. Persona 4 is, get, has lots of dark moments, but Persona 3, you're yeah. shooting yourself on the head to summon Personas. Well, even, so. it's just, like, the way that game unfolds, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the theme... Yeah, I had the ending spoiled, so I know, like... It, it's darker thematically, I think that it's more complex, but Persona 4 is just, like, that's a game you can play and still feel good, even though there's a lot of dark shit in it. Mm-hmm. I feel that it was a game that was made to just really kind of, like, Raise Take, the spirits. Yeah, raise your spirits a bit after... Making the, Shin Megami Tensei games for 20 years. Yeah, after making games that let everybody know you really do hate your audience. You hate the people playing these games. You want them to suffer. Mm-hmm. Hello, Nocturne. Oh my god, I'm really excited to play that game. Oh my god. Yeah, but yeah, Persona 4, what can you say about it? It's 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 mm-hmm. great. I think it's, I think it's a, a smart and layered game that's also really hopeful and fun. Yeah, yeah. And very yellow, and I appreciate that. I like, yeah, that, I, I always I really like, like the yellow. I really like Persona 3 and 4's uh, menu designs, and I know it's a dumb thing to really like about a game. Oh, it isn't. It, it, but it's super classy. It's, they're just like, I've never seen RPG menus that were just so classy and slick. It's just, yeah, those look good, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Persona 4, it's awesome. So and last, all right. Last thing, I um, with a lot of stuff going down this week, I decided to just play a bunch of Zoe Quinn's old freeware games, and they are brilliant, and they are wonderful. They They are wonderful. They're very much like you know, like when you when you were making uh, Dance Party, I I thought I thought very much of uh, Zoe Quinn's work. You know, uh, with Mm -hmm. the I I played Bucci, yeah, and it's Dance Party, and I was like, oh look, somebody else did this thing, this idea we had and did it like just as w- really well. And it's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. that was really cool. Yeah. Her, her stuff is, she's got a very unique sense of humor. Mm-hmm. She has a very fun way of presenting things. Um, I, and I'm very, it's very much like on a wavelength that I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very excited for what her FMV game is going to be. Oh, I'm so excited. Just, just from her tweets they're they're just like, Oh, this is going to be nuts. And she's so enthusiastic about it all the time. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's infectious. I'm really excited about it, whatever yeah. she spits out. I have, actually haven't played Depression Quest yet. It's, um, it's, and I'm oof. kind of going to wait, I think, until a more, less solemn time, I think, well, well, in the I, world. I think Depression Quest is great. I played, uh, I, I played I, the web version. Everything I know about it looks it's, amazing. It is an amazing, you know, it, it is not so much a game as it is a tool to help others understand what depression is, you know, like I think there's even a warning in the game that says, you know, if you're depressed, if you suffer from depression, you, you probably don't have a need to play this. It's more about a game to, to it's less about being a game to, you know, win or, you know, get a good ending or anything like that. It is, it is a tool. It is something mm-hmm. that's to help people understand who don't necessarily understand that depression is more than just, hey, I'm having a bad day. It's, yeah, it's, it's, whew, it's, it's a heavy game. Um, 
yeah. Good stuff. Hey, let's happy times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I lied. I actually have one, more, two more things. Ugh, um, I read. More. God I, damn you! <laughs> I read. I'm reading two really good books. I read ZZT by Anna Anthropy, mm-hmm. which is kind of a follow up to her book Rise of the Video Game Zinesters, which I also loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and ZZT is about this old DOS game that has a really robust um, game editor, level editor, and people used it to create all sorts of really neat and interesting experiences and she documents that and it's really cool i read it in an evening and just had a blast and now i'm reading her textbook a game design vocabulary oh interesting yeah and that's really cool too because it kind of solidifies a lot of ideas that i'd heard from all of her writing over the years on her website Mm -hmm. and it's a really cool way to approach and think about game design it's kind of enriching me a lot it is a game designer. That is definitely something you would want to pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's all. That's all that I'm playing and reading. Is that book the one that talks about verbs? Yep. Not verbs and objects and scenes. And it's the whole book is built around this metaphor of, at least I've read about a third of it, and the second half is written by somebody else. So I'm interested in hearing that person's perspective too. Mm-hmm. And it's all built around this metaphor that there are objects that are arranged into scenes and they're governed by, and the objects are governed by rules and there are verbs, which are rules that dictate how the player can interact with the objects. Well, when you think about that, it's logically the way that, you know, something like click and play, uh, or game maker, game maker is a very simple, you know, things that you can, verbs and objects. Exactly. So like, so then you just start thinking about Super Mario Brothers in terms of there are two verbs in this game, two main verbs in this game, moving left and right and jumping. And the whole game is about developing the relationship between moving left and right, between basically between Mario's vertical and horizontal movement and refining that relationship and refining the player's understanding of that relationship. And when you start thinking about the game in that way, it just kind of opens everything up in a really cool way. So can I jump back to Zelda 2 for a minute? Sure, go ahead. Because I kind of primed this right there with the verb discussion. Go right oh, ahead. Yeah. So go for it. Mario is about jumping. But when you think about the Zelda games, like they don't have one core verb. Like You've got mm-hmm. so many tools in this game, and sometimes you have too many, and they kind of end up uh, underused, especially in, like Twilight Princess, where you have mm-hmm. these tools that you use for one dungeon. They're very specific in utility, yeah. Oh, Wind Waker's awful about that. Wind Waker has the yeah. sail that you can only equip, and you have to equip it every time you get on your boat and activate it, and it just is there in your inventory for the rest of the game doing nothing. Yeah. And honestly, Majora's Mask is bad about it, too. You have, like, you have so many masks, masks and <laughs> it's kind of kind of ridiculous. And it's like, which, one, which masks are needed to do uh, what I need to do? Do I need this mask at all? What is this? This lets me access the bar after hours. And this is the mask that lets me turn to stone. And this is the mask. <laughs> There's one mask that's shaped like a person to ask NPCs about that person. Like, it's kind of clunky. Yeah. But so that's kind of, that's almost all Zelda games. Like, Link to the Past has the butterfly catching net. And it has two separate items that use your magic meter to make you invincible. You have the magic cape and the cane of Somalia or whatever, and they do the exact same thing. Yep. Except one, yeah. And 
makes no sense. Yeah. And, so, yeah. So I was thinking I about Zelda and how there's so many items that are kind of underused, but the main thing you do in those games, in theory, is hit stuff with the sword. And Zelda 2 seems to be the only game that really tried to make that more of the game. Like, mm-hmm. really focusing on yeah, sword play. Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. They really haven't... Besides Skyward Sword, which I guess kind of tried to do it with the... With the motion, motion controls. Stuff. I didn't get any sense of nuance in Skyward Sword's approach to combat from the first seven hours of playing it. Maybe <laughs> right. it does something more nuanced with it later on, but it's, I didn't it's, find it. It's all mostly just, hey, here's a direction. You probably want to slash left in that direction. Or you slash up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but at least it's something. I guess it's something. I'll, I'll give him a consolation prize. It's no Zelda two though. Yeah, or, yeah. Zelda like, two. It's a lot about positioning. It's a lot about knowing when to attack um, and when to block. And when to block. It's you know the shield is very important in that game. I love that. And and to be fair, the first Zelda game has a lot of that too. There's a lot of really strong arcadey action. Yeah, in the first yeah, Zelda definitely. Game. And that's why I feel like Zelda two is such such a sensible evolution of that game in a lot of ways it feels like maturing i was on the hate train for that game for a long time i will admit you know it's not what i wanted it's really hard it's it's, It's really freaking hard it's hard to love that game but but i have warmed up to it uh, you know over the over the over the last couple of years you know and i've you know looking back more you know like i said you know i only played ocarina of time this year i super Mario 64 i'm going back you know i find myself in like looking at games from my past that i didn't give a fair shake to and it's like you know it just you know i i realize now that i play games you know i've got to be in a certain mood for certain games and there are games that i will just straight up give up on because i'm not in the mood for it and i guess throughout my youth and you know throughout my teens i never really was in the mood for Zelda 2 and you know in recent years I was like I can appreciate this for what it is I really like how positioning is very important blocking attacking and timing you know I love those kinds of things and it's it's definitely a much better game than a lot of people will give it credit for Mm-hmm. And the it's music just, is so eerie and unpleasant. It's <laughs> yeah, they they use a lot of vibrato in the music. Yeah, a lot of just, vibrato, and I think and it, it, it feels really purposeful. it really adds an element of just eeriness to it. Mm-hmm. I can appreciate it. I just don't think I'm ever going to try to play it again. It's just <laughs> really fair. hard to get into. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Like the Those, first game, your- first game is hard too. But at least you can get somewhere in it. Like the first dungeon's not too bad. It kind of eases you in better. I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Zelda Two throws you into the fire. You know, it is, yeah. a, it is a game that is... you could say that it's kind of like. Don't say it. Do it. Should I say it? Do it. Dark Souls. There you go. <laughs> and Dark that's Souls. Zelda Two. Fuck it. We're done with Zelda Two. Yeah. So, gaming. It's kind of weird, right? It's a little weird. It's a little weird. So. There's a little trend going around, uh, something we're, we're going to keep tabs on, because when you think of the Sox cast, you, you, you think hard-hitting news, we're going we're gonna to keep you informed, we're knowledgeable, we're not dumb like those other podcasts you probably mm-hmm. listen to, and... Uh, we got our we, finger on the pulse We've got gaming. our finger on the pulse of gaming, we, we, we know everything. Come to us right now. Come to me. Come. Get a hug. Anyway, we've got some boots on the ground on a very serious situation going down uh, in gaming that 
some of you may have heard of, some of you may not be. Um, it's a little trend on Steam called Early Access. Um, and it's uh, a way of uh, developers, you know, releasing unfinished products and taking money for it, which, you know, can be used for good and bad purposes. But, like I said, we've got some boots on the ground. We've got a special early access correspondent that we're going to be checking in with um, every time we do one of these. So, um, right now, uh, I want to take it over to our special early access correspondent, Rort, and ask, how's early access doing? It's still really stupid. All right, and we're going to move on. Um, we're going to do a news. Oh, I think se- I, I, have a, I have a news thingy. Uh, good. Don't, okay. inter- don't interrupt me, <laughs> idiot. Sorry. Oh. oh okay. okay. So we're gonna we, we we've got a you know we're going to talk about news obviously on a podcast. Chrono. <laughs> I'm gonna come over there, and I'm gonna say really mean things to you. Okay. All right, good. So, every podcast has got to have some kind of dumb news thing, and I thought that rather than talking about all of the big stories uh, going around uh, in gaming, uh, that we would only talk about the stuff that really interests us and the stuff that is especially our business. Um, So, uh, I didn't have anything this week. Nothing really stood out to me. Rort, uh, you want to give me an idea of what you got in terms of news? Well, I heard John has a story. Maybe we should go to him. Is that, is that the news? Is that the news? No. <laughs> John has a story. So let's talk about John having a story. John, what's your story? Well, I think I remember hearing on Twitter that Forest Ambassador is getting a redesign. Great. That's, yeah. That's... Also, also recently, uh, it's this um, thingy where you it's this blog that highlights cool games mm-hmm. like exclusively like really awesome games and um it, it, they did one of my games and um uh it recently got divided so that you can browse by mood like so uh, you can select a joyful game and it'll uh, list all of the games that are joy joyful and solemn game and there's like 15 different categories of mood and i think that's amazing that's and I think cool. it's getting that, some other redesign. That's kind of a cool idea. I can dig mm-hmm. that. And yeah, that's all. It has a Patreon, which still sounds like an evolution to me. <laughs> <laughs> Rhett? Uh, I just, this is, I am was kind of being uh, stupid saying I had a news story because by the time you post this podcast up, this news story probably won't actually be relevant anymore because it's, ti- it's a timed thing. Uh, the game Dishonored is free on Steam right now. <gasps> oh, is it? Oh, wait, actually, that you said that, that one's actually pretty fun. I did not know I, that. I really like that game. I'm not being, uh, yeah, I'm being serious. What? It's a free game. I'm going to take it. So, hey, Dishonored, it's free well, on Steam, but it might not be free by the time you hear this. It's free till like, Sunday at 4 or something. Well, hey, guess what? By the time this goes up, you might have, like, eight hours to download it. <laughs> Woo. So, free games. That's always good. Mm-hmm. I like free games. I really like that game. I beat it like three times. Didn't you do oh, like cool. the whole like no kills, no detections? Yeah, I did like a lethal playthrough, then a non-lethal playthrough, then like a totally psycho killer playthrough. See, I wanted to do that with Mark of the Ninja, but I kind of burn out. Yeah. I really fucking love that game, but oh, yeah. I, I freaking love Mark of the Ninja. Just a, I, I only played it once. I should go back to it. It is a brilli- it. brilliant stealth game. I'm not going to spend eight hours talking about it, though, because we have... <laughs> We have a much bigger topic to discuss. 
Um, so hey guys, guess what? 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 Sega Genesis just turned twenty-five. Happy birthday! That's, Ooh, that's older that's, than me. Yeah, you're like twelve. Eh. Eh. But man, you know the the, the Sega Genesis was. Whole, you know, I'm not going to go into the full like hey big release details crap, but it was an interesting console at the time because it provided such accurate arcade experiences. You know, um, it had the same kind of uh, sound hardware that you typically heard in uh, arcade games at the time. And when you looked at, like, you know, the graphics compared to, like, the NES or the Master System and other things that were currently available where we're at, it, it was something kind of crazy because, you know, you, like, I remember the first time I saw Altered Beast and, like, the sprites were just, like, ginormous, you know, and you did the cool transformations and it was just crazy and there was all this parallax scrolling uh, and the bosses were freaking huge. You know, like, the first time I saw, you know, a Sega Genesis was Altered Beast and it just, it left a huge impression, even though that game's kind of not that super good. Yeah. Um, but it looks good at the time. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing compared to, you know, what we received on, um, you know, when I had an NES. You know, you go to your cousin's place and he's got this cool fucking system. It's got these cool graphics and it looks That's like how, that. That was my exposure to the Sega Genesis was going to a cousin's place and being like, whoa, he's, he has Sonic. Yeah. And, and, and mm-hmm. so, so, yeah, that was like sort of my first experience with a home console that was capable of, of, you know, more than, you know, a small number of graphics on screen at a time. There wasn't any flicker, you know, like, mm-hmm. it, even with its kind of crappy sound, um, you know, with its farty explosions and, like, you know, FM synth, it, you know, it... it well, it, I, I've come across... I've come around on the Sega Genesis oh, sound I totally, chip I, I totally have, lot. too. But, you know, at the time... You know, even with, you know, when you can look back at it now and say, well, it kind of doesn't sound super great, you know, even if I've come around on it, you know, there are still, you know, you had to know how to use that hardware to get good sound mm-hmm. out of it. Yeah, it um, wasn't it wasn't samples like the Super NES would be later on. It was like real hard yeah, it was, to program for. It was know? raw freaking FM synth. Um, it did have sam- It did have the ability to sample, but the samples mm-hmm. were usually pretty... Um, you know, distorted. You couldn't get a very high bit rate out of them and stuff. Mm. But I've kind of, I've kind of fallen away from the um, Super Nintendo oh, I, sound chip. I, a I, lot. I, I don't like the Super Nintendo sound chip at all. Yeah, um, they're like total like, apples and oranges. Yeah, they're yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the SNES focused a lot on samples, um, a lot of pitching samples, and it sounded really bad. And it, it sounds kind of muffled now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of uh, that kind of sound holds up. Uh, but anyway, getting back to the Genesis, you know, and that first time you see it, you know, and you're a kid and you played these arcades, you know, because I had played an Altered Beast arcade. Uh, and, you know, when I saw it, I was like, that's just like the thing that I played at the mall. <laughs> that's pretty freaking cool. Um, so, um, uh, Rhett, what was your, like, first experience with a Genesis? Honestly, I had a Turbo Graphics early on. Oh. I didn't jump on the genesis train right away it was a couple years in when sonic came out in 91 i think sonic was 91 oh um, oh wow yeah i want to say it was 91 i remember renting so the genesis it. was out for a while before sonic came out yeah, yeah it's right. really yeah. weird to think about yeah it would the, the, yeah, when you look at the early you know like early genesis games were a lot of arcade ports golden axe altered beast 
um, ESWAT, which that was a totally different uh, home game, but, you know, like, and um, the Shinobi games, again, totally different, but, you know, they still had, like, something... They felt like an arcade experience. Yeah, it was still, like, a very, you know, and that's something that really stuck through through that system's lifespan, uh, which we'll get into here in a bit when we try to compare the systems a little bit. Um, but uh, going back to Rhett, I'm sorry yeah, I sorry. interrupted. <laughs> yeah, the Genesis had kind of a slow start where it started with a lot of arcade ports similar to the NES where the early NES games were not much to look at, like the black screen stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I picked up a Genesis around the time Sonic came out, and then that was when it kind of felt like the console really started to get some momentum going. Yeah, uh, they, they they really started to figure out that hardware. You know, the game started to look and sound way better. You know, the Sonic soundtrack. Yeah, the, the sound chips. I mean, the sound chip didn't set cha- chi- the, <laughs> Sorry. The sound chip didn't change, but people got more comfortable with it, and the early games sounded really kind of junky. Yeah, uh, it really hit its stride when Sonic came out. Um and plus, the advertising really kicked. Oh up the God, notch. the advertising! You know, like, they they were going for the jugular um, at Nintendo, especially yeah. especially with their sports lineup, because that's another thing that Genesis was very well known for is that it had a very solid sports game lineup. And I don't play very many sports games, but I really always had a fondness for the NHL games, and they like the the SNES versions of those games were just they were stinkers. Were those uh-huh. EA sports games? Yes. For the most part? Yes. Most of the sports games that uh, the system is known for were EA sports games with your Maddens. Um, and um, I don't think that uh, the Nintendo versions of those, of those games ever, you know, reached the kind of playability, the speed, the responsiveness, um, mm-hmm. even the look and sounds. They just, they feel way better on the Genesis. Um because, like, when I look at the system now, kind of from a historical perspective, you can sort of see the Genesis being, like, the first time Western developers got their foothold on in the console scene. Yeah, yeah. You didn't see a lot of good Western development um, on the NES or even the, uh, the SNES. Um, yeah. It, it was mostly from uh, Japanese companies. And, yeah, th- they really seem to, like, even European developers... Um, yeah, there's a lot more uh, European and EA stuff on yeah, the Genesis. Especially, you know, uh, European games, because it, it had a lot of similarities, you know, to the Amiga. Uh, and a lot of those games were ported straight over, you know, Cannon Fodder, um, 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 huh. um, a couple others. That's uh, really interesting. I'm losing my train of thought there, but you get the point, you know, that is that, you know, you're right. Uh, you know, the West sort of did start to find their way in uh, game development for consoles where we had pe- we had previously mostly been known for, you know, developing for PC. Yeah. It's also crazy when you think that, like, the Master System had, like, a 2% market share and the NES had, like, 97% or something. That is and, just... And within, like, five years, it went to 50-50 with the Genesis and the That's SNES. That's nuts. Yeah. Like, it, it, they were it, so on fire, like the marketing division in Sega of America just... They had the marketing, they had the games, and it's just, they... Mm. Sega had such a unique identity. Uh, They did what Nintendo. And it was very, (laughs) it was very 90s, very edgy. Um, It definitely looks cheesy today, like those ads. You could definitely look back at... Yeah, yeah, it's... But, you know, you can't, like, that attitude spoke to you you know it was immediate you know you looked at you knew it was a sega game Mm -hmm. Uh, it was undeniable 
I feel like there's a certain I I I um didn't really have any experience with the Genesis for like ten years, twelve years basically because I played Sonic at a friend's house and that was all I really knew about it. So I started looking at it kind of snobbly mm. in my teenage years <laughs> because. Okay. I um, was so on board with the SNES and emulating SNES games and pour, pouring love over SNES games. And it's only now that I'm really beginning to appreciate the kind of rawness and spirit to a lot of the Genesis games. Yeah, that's that's definitely key, is that mm-hmm. the Genesis had a very raw sort of, like, I don't want to say indie, but the games had... Edge. Yeah, they had edge. They kind of mm-hmm. felt dirty in a way. Like they, Musha? They were kind of grimy. You know? uh-huh. Even like they, the sound chip kind of feels yeah, like... Yeah. The Super NES is all processed, processed and smooth samples. And the exactly. I feel like Genesis you can almost sounds. extend that to like the whole philosophies for each system. Because like once you get to the Super Nintendo, like it's a lot of super versions of other games, yes. of older games. So yes. You've got Super Zelda, you've got Super Mario, you've got Super Metroid, Super Castlevania, Super Mega Man, Super Mother, <laughs> Super... Um, yeah. And super, with the... Super crappy Contra. Exactly. Super... <laughs> super... Whatever. And um, with a lot of those games, <laughs> there's this sense of solidity, of identity. Yes. Like... We know what video games are now, so we are going to kind of We're going to kind of turn that. them out. Turn them out. We've figured out what video games are, so we're going to... We know what a Zelda game is. We know what these games are. And I'm kind of... I'm stealing this from a Twitter conversation I had with a really cool guy named EJR Tarn. But with you don't really feel that with the Genesis. It still feels like it has more of that rawness and forward-thinkingness of, like, NES and Game Boy games. The thing that I always felt about... Uh, when comparing the SNES and the Genesis, is that I feel that the SNES has big fucking games. You know, when you look at that library, you look at... Yeah, Chrono Trigger. They're games that hit hard. Chrono Trigger, Super Metroid, Donkey Kong Country, just big fucking games. Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy, of course. And you look at the Genesis, and like, while titles, you know, might not have the same impact... You can find a lot more diamonds in the rough on that console. Exactly. Uh, there, there are so many little gems that I have found over the years for Genesis that you know it's just like they either wouldn't be possible or wouldn't feel right on an SNES, and you wouldn't mm-hmm. find them there. It's um, like the average Genesis game is more interesting than the average SNES game. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. And do you honestly feel a lot of that? That um kind of spirit with their later two systems too they kind of maintained that right up until they burnt out they, they tried and they weren't able to adapt i don't think you uh, know they tried to keep the same that same edge and it just mm-hmm. didn't quite work i mean you can yeah. still see a shit ton of 90s uh, attitude in dreamcast games mm-hmm. uh, and just yeah. plain just plain weirdness yeah like, Th- yeah. There's so many Dreamcast games that are just nothing like what you'd see on any of the other systems. It's the same with Saturn games. And same with definitely same with the Saturn games. You guys yeah, you guys stole what I was just about to say how like Sega they definitely don't besides Sonic, which is like the one perennial franchise, they kind of reinvent all their franchises every single generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Alex Kidd was the Master System guy. He totally crashed and burned on the Saturn or yeah. on the Genesis. On the Genesis. Like he had one game, it was terrible and they just they got rid of them, and then Toe Jam and Earl on this set. Um, I keep saying Saturn. I'm sorry. 
Like, they made a ton of new franchises on the Genesis, and then when the Saturn came, they just, they all hey, burned it's out. Knights and yeah. uh, Burning Rangers, and we're making Panzer Dragoon. new stuff. Yeah, Panzer Dragoon. And then the Dreamcast happens, and they're like, hey, Space Channel 5, Crazy Taxi. Like, mm-hmm. they never stopped kind of changing it, things. It even up. goes they, like, way before that with, like, even before the Genesis, they've got all their crazy, like, arcade games, like OutRun and Space Harrier. And Fantasy Star on the Master System, and there's so much and of worth to Sega's layout out that I'm only just now starting to appreciate. They and have such crazy intellectual property, yeah. and they just don't use it at all anymore besides Sonic, and that it, sucks. And it, it's not just, you know, Sega during you know the Genesis's lifespan. You know, you had a ton of developers that were just doing really crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's Konami just like, on the Genesis? Yeah, Konami on the Genesis was just miles ahead i think of konami on the snes you've got kind of a a kind of boring castlevania game and a really kind of bad contra game on the snes and then you have like two balls to the wall nuts amazing genesis games right castlevania and contra (laughs) that are just like have all this energy and rawness to them yeah and while you're on you know like with the way sega I don't know if innovation is the right word, but they were always trying fucking weird ass things. You know, you had the Sega CD, you know, and that was, you know, again, a huge first for consoles, I think. Actually, it wasn't. I oh. was looking up this. The Turbo Duo was first. Well, there's I, another dick in my ass. <laughs> Sorry. Not a problem. I, I just happened to read yesterday how we have, the Sega CD was. We are a podcast that checks facts. <laughs> yep. Plus, the, plus the Turbo Duo is literally the only system that has a Castlevania game that can beat Bloodlines. Right, right. And, uh... <laughs> or match it. The Sega Channel. Mm-hmm. Think about that. That was something that was just, like... I remember being, like... I had heard about it. I had read about it in magazines and thought, okay, that's weird. That's not something I'll ever see. You know, and then I went to a state fair and our local, um... Our local cable company was demoing it and it was just, like... Here, you can play Road Rash. Here, you can play Mega Man and the Wily Wars. And I was like, what the fuck is the Wily Wars? I never... Why is there a, why is there a Mega Man game on the Genesis? But it was just like... It was so weird to me. It's just like, this is coming in through my cable box? You know, that's... Yeah. I never had the Sega channel. Sega channel. I never had one, but... When you look at what they were actually doing, it was downloadable games. Yeah, like, it, it's so 20 forward. years before anybody else was doing it's, it. it. They were so forward thinking in a lot of ways that it's it's kind of fucking crazy when you look at where we're at now. And it looks like, you know, like Sega was kind of there first, but never gets the credit like fantasy, yeah. like fantasy star online. The Dreamcast uh-huh. had a modem. They were doing online games way before anybody else. Yeah, uh, the fucking Saturn had a modem. I don't think that they ever used it for anything but Actually, the web browser, right? I think uh, Sega Rally, I think you could play that online. I don't think it worked very yeah. well on a 36K modem or whatever, but I think you could, actually. That's wow. that's, that's just yeah, kind of... That's really crazy. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's like when we talk about Genesis, I keep flashing back to... I know. What? Sega as a whole. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what's really what's makes the Genesis special is what makes Sega as a whole special. Or and what? it was their their brightest moment, really. Yeah, 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 exactly. There's yeah, 
and it's just like I, keep, I always flash back to the Christmas that I got my Genesis, and it's just like I got such a damn good haul, and it was just like I didn't even realize how awesome it was at the time. But you know, it's just like I got my Genesis. It came with Sonic One and Two, uh. which is already pretty fucking crazy, and uh, Mercs, which was you know, hey, I like shooty games, great, in the first Streets of Rage. Uh, it's just nice. like. What the, you know, and it's just like, I was already super, I was already super conscious of game music by that point. Uh, and it was just like, you know, hearing, you know, throwing on Streets of Rage for the first time and hearing, you know, that opening theme. And it's like, this sounds nothing like anything else I've heard on this console is, you know, and then you play it and it's just like, this is way better than Final Fight. What the hell? Final Fight, NES, or SNES? SNES. The, 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 the yeah. SNES version of Final Fight was garbage. <laughs> um, but, they yeah. Cut. Did it even have two-player? It didn't have two-player, and they that's, cut Guy. That's ridiculous. And, and Streets of Rage, you know, like, all the characters had, you know, I think they were advertising it as, like, 50 moves, but, you know, you're kind of inflating that. I mean, it's just, like, most of them are normal attacks, but there was, a lot, there was a lot of animation in that game, and, you know, it was just, like... It felt more like a foot, like where the, the like it felt more like an evolution of Double Dragon, you know, like where Double Dragon mm-hmm. was great on the NES. Um, <clears throat> I really liked all three of those. Well, no, I didn't like the first one because it was garbage. But the first uh, Double Dragon, yeah, the first Double Dragon on NES was g- god awful. Okay, but Double Dragon two and three, I loved those games. So when I played Streets of Rage, you know, it was great. And even better is that it had co op. You know, so I played the shit out of that game with my, with my dad and my friends, and I remember like the New Year's Eve when me and my dad first beat Streets of Rage. You know, oh. it was just like it was so fucking crazy. It was awesome. You know, it's just like I got so many like, like I said, you know, like I love the games like Chrono Trigger. I love the games, you know, like Super Metroid. It's my favorite game of all time. But mm-hmm. the Genesis did so much different. Like those games had such a raw edge to them that you know, I, I just I was just always in love with it. Absolutely. It's a good system. <laughs> it really is. It was a great there's, system. There's so much it's, for it. Like, it's a, it's one of those systems where I feel like I'm never going to run out of interesting Genesis games. Yeah, and it's just like, and another thing that you know, I think even Rhett would agree here. Something that the Genesis did way better than the SNES shmups. Oh God, yeah. Like, oh yeah, because like, the system's just faster than yeah, mm-hmm. the, the SNES. The, yeah. It, they were more arcadey, you know. Like you look at Thunder mm-hmm. Force. Thunder Force Four. Um, good and God, that game was fast. <laughs> and, and it's just like I don't think you could do like. While I think the SNES has some really good shmups, you know, you and Squadron, UN Squadron is good. I like that. Actually, um, uh, Gradius Three. You know, Gradius and, 3 I really, is, and I really like. Whoa, 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 whoa! I gotta stop. Uh-oh. Gradius Three on the SNES has so much goddamn slowdown. It's like unplayable. I'm I sorry. like I still like it. It's so I have a, I have a lot of fondness for that game for having, you know, spent like a month trying to beat it with a friend. So I, I like, do I, I got a soft spot for great. That's my experience with R-Type 3, which I think is pretty unfair in a couple spots. Yeah. But it was my first shmup that I really played through in earnest and I just banged my hand against it against until I finished it and I was really felt rewarded by it. Oh, I so I still say have it has a, a ton of slowdown. So no, R Type Three is pretty solid. Is solid all the way through, technically. I um, yeah. So I still have a lot of fondness for that game. But I still don't think that 
the the SNES shmups compare? Uh, yeah, to oh, the, no. to the like, Genesis shmups. I mean, there are so many good shmups on. You oh, know, Rhett Lucia. did a whole Rhett did a whole fucking list. Yeah, he reviewed I, I every still read that list. <laughs> I go back to the both those lists a lot. Go to socksmakepeoplesexy.net and and read through his Rhett's reviews of every single shmup on the Genesis, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And every so single shmup on the SNES too. Including the best one ever, uh, Blazion. Yeah. Oh boy, Blazion! So I said R Type Three was my first shmup, but um, actually it was really Blazion. That was the first game I played. <laughs> well, you don't kid. really you don't really count Blazion as a shmup. You count it as a shit. <laughs> that was the so video. dumb. That's some good music. That was dumb. <laughs> if I remember. So, Maybe I'm gonna propose something right now. Okay. Something real scary. I hope oh, no. you're ready. Are you ready? What? What? I think we're ready. What? I want you. What? What? I want both what? of you to pick three what? Sega Genesis games that you would want to suggest everybody play. And I'm going to start with John. Okay. Um. Okay. Um. Uh, I actually, like I said, I just kind of discovered the SNES initially. Um, basically the Genesis in earnest, basically a year ago, mm-hmm. I bought a Genesis actually and have about eight games. And, um, is one of those echo the dolphin? No, one of them is not echo the dolphin. I played that on the, um, I played that on the Genesis collection Okay, and I haven't actually beaten most of them yet. I've beaten all the Sonic games. I love those. Good job. Death. I still don't know. Um, I'll have to replay them before I can settle the internal two versus three plus K debate. And um, it's already been guess, settled. It's three. And then, <laughs> you know what? I wasn't. I was not the biggest Sonic Three supporter. And in recent years, even I can agree with Rhett that yeah, you know what? Sonic Three and Knuckles is just goddamn good. It really is. It's and it has real. all that and that music. Oh, Doomsday oh. Zone. Oh, that music. That's exactly so what I good. Of. I was when I think of what makes the Genesis sound chip special. I usually just go to Musha and then Doomsday Zone. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, so some games. So basically I've got a whole bunch of games that I really want to dig into in earnest and play to completion. And like I really want to play Fantasy Star 2 and Fantasy Star 4 to completion. I'm really excited about playing those games. Very smart. I've been Fantasy Star 1 and I loved it. And I've heard two is fantastic, and I've heard from a lot of people. And I've heard four is fantastic from a lot of people, and I'm not going to play three. And <laughs> again, smart move, cool. And it was apparently made by like a completely different staff in like a very small time, and whatever. Um, it was made inside a butthole. Mm-hmm. And I just heard about this game called Landstalker, and someone told me that it was their favorite Zelda game. Yeah, it's- and the thing. The thing, the things that they said about it made it sound really interesting. Definitely play Landstalker. It's good. Cool. And um, a couple, I think Crusaders of Kenti is one I've heard a lot of good things about, and a lot of the games you two will be talking about. And there's a bunch of weird ass, awesome Genesis games I plan to get to. And I played a lot of Castlevania Bloodlines. I haven't finished it yet. Great but, game. Great. But game. that is a fantastic game. I love it. I really need I, to play that too. Yeah, I, 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 
You know, and it's not just, you know, my bias for Genesis when I say mm-hmm. that I think that game is way better than Super Castlevania 4. It's just I think Super Castlevania 4 is it's a technical marvel when you look at a lot of the Absolutely. stuff it when you look at a lot of the stuff that it did with Mode 7 and um, but they were just playing around cuz they were toy. Yeah, yeah, the 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 soundtrack is iconic. But mm-hmm. it, it just like the level design and the enemy design and the bosses. It's just it's such a slow game that I just get bored and I cannot it's finish like it. Three hours long or something ridiculous like that. I cannot Super, finish that. Super game. Castlevania Four is my first Castlevania, and I've gone back to it a lot over the years, and I've really just grown tired of it. It's I don't think it's a great game. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, that Castlevania Bloodlines was the first one I recommended, by the way, and I think it's probably it's. For me, it represents kind of the best of what Castlevania has to offer, along with Rondo of Blood and the first one. I really like the you have two characters to play as, and that I really like that. I really like how Spear feels. They play differently, and they you know like the stages are designed around them. You know, like Mm -hmm. there are different paths for each character to to have to go through, and you Mm -hmm. know that was just really fun to play through that game as both characters and learn how to fight bosses in a different way because the spear and the whip are not you know they don't control the same. Mm-hmm. versus something like Mega Man and Base where it's pretty clear like have just made me think of that game where you can pick which one to play as and then all the level designers were playing as Base so when yep. you try to play as Mega Man it's <laughs> yeah. like oh I can't double jump here and this is a pixel perfect jump now great yep. so that's fun and um, yeah like I said I still need to play it all the way through unlike one in Rondo which I've been multiple times because they're probably easier and because they don't have limited continues um but yeah bloodlines is fantastic um the second genesis game one that i played to completion and i love to bits is echo the dolphin i think you are insane Ugh. i think you are <laughs> insane and i think and i think i've reached reached the level of internal maturity where i can admit that it's kind of bad in a lot of ways yeah and generally it is kind of bad <laughs> it's what? It's bold. Yes, it is bold. It is the indie game of its day, even yeah, though absolutely. it was even though it was created on a big ass budget and it had was a lot it? of I'm I pretty sure it was like one dude really responsible for the bulk of it. Yeah, but it, the marketing that it got for like holy crap, look at these photorealistic dolphin graphics. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I remember yeah. seeing a lot of shit about that back in the day when it was, mm-hmm. you know, the hot shit to own. Mhm. There's this and one some, funny oops. Yeah. There's this ahead. one funny commercial that's like Genesis is so fast, and it's like it's cuts between Sonic the Hedgehog like running and doing loops, and Echo the Dolphin swing swimming around really fast. And it's just so funny because when you play Echo, it's not really a fast game. No, not at all. Incredibly slow. Well, have you seen some speedruns of that game? Yes, I have. Could do but, some pretty impressive ass. But things. what normal person is yeah. playing that game like that? Normal play is not. <clears throat> we are not robots. We are not uh, robots. We are not well. We are not welcome in the machine. Fair enough. <laughs> I think most of Echo the Dolphin is really solid in a um, kind of unfair hard way. I think everything that involves collision detection with moving blocks killing you oh, is God. pretty bullshit. Yeah. And um, Paul, you've got some problems with the camera and some of the motion, and I I was able to work with it pretty fine. Right. There's one boss fight that doesn't really make sense. And um, yeah, I, I've seen you do that, and I just don't get how you're supposed to piece together what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah the boss fight doesn't make any sense. Um, but if you can kind of get past that, 
Um, the fi- the last level is pretty unforgivable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What was it? I, four hours we watched you do that. I played it for another hour afterwards because I save stated before the final boss oh in the stream. God. So then I went back and beat it because you, you can, there's no checkpoint before the final boss. No, you have there's to beat not. The machine and the boss in one go, and the boss kills you basically in one hit. So I check. I I went back later and beat it legit. So you're basically telling people that you want play you want Echo you want them to play Echo the Dolphin because you fucking hate them. <laughs> no, all right. You can play Echo the Dolphin and then not finish it, and that's okay. <laughs> and then and then contact John, and he will tell you all about it. Cool. He will run uh, down I the think, he will run I, down I, the I, narrative I, for you. <laughs> I I genuinely I th- at this point I think my interest in the fi- I think I found the final level of Echo the Dolphin really fascinating, but I thought I I think I mistook that fascination for merit when really it's just Stockholm syndrome. No, it's yes. It's bold. <laughs> it's, it's crazy um, that they did that. I think I it's think something... definitely I think the word Rhett used bold is definitely how I would describe that game. Yeah. I think Welcome to the Machine interests me a lot as a game designer and what it's doing and why it's bad and why it's in why it was compelling to me in some strange way. So it's very academically interesting, even though it's kind yeah. of shit. It's interesting as a design thing. Like it's a, it's a, it's, it's so yeah. crazy. And yeah. For people who are listening that don't know, the last level of the game is like a six-minute auto scroller that you can't speed up. Yeah, and anyway. um, and there are many traps. And you die like instantly like most auto scroll levels because you're constantly at risk of death. Um, most auto scroll levels are just kind of easy, and then you're just bored for most of them because you're waiting. And so Echo the Dolphin, you're constantly tense because everything is trying to kill you and you're you see, memorizing that, to get through. That is a good point because me and Rhett, we watched somebody play, uh, or they were trying oh, yeah. to play through Super Mario Brothers 3 for the first time, and I never realized how many auto-scrollers that game has. As much as there I There are it. a lot. And, and the thing is, not a lot's going on in any of them. And if there's anything that I can say positive about Welcome to the Machine, it's that shit is always happening. Mm-hmm. There's one spot in the middle where it's dead space for about 20 seconds or so, but it's kind of feels welcome. Yeah. Because it's like a moment of it's like a breather. <sighs> <sighs> and um, since it's like six or seven minutes long, and then there's the boss. And if you die on the boss, you have you to die, go back to the start. Yeah. It's, it's bad. It took me probably about six hours to beat. <laughs> Did that uh, change that in the Sega CD version? They, so, yeah, yeah, they made it. They um, they gate. The thing is that on the final boss, they break the rules. They give you infinitely regenerating health for the machine, uh-huh. but then they take it away for the final boss fight for no reason. Yeah, there's no explanation at all for why you're suddenly not regaining health again. Exactly. In the Genesis, in the CD version, you get that also. Um, in the CD version, Are you, you sure it's the only CD version. Yes, there's there's a number of different versions. For one thing, um, yeah. in some of the versions, if you die on the on from her projectiles, then you just restart on the boss. But if you're swallowed, then you go back to the machine. Yeah. And then on some of the versions, you can die from her projectiles and restart on the boss and get swallowed and get set to another level called the stomach, which looks really weird and kind of unfinished. And then if you beat the stomach, then you can go back to the boss. And if you die on the stomach, then you go back to the machine, which I think is kind of smarter than the Genesis take. But Yeah, you do get yeah. a shot at redemption, but it's still exactly. just like, oh my god. I uh, think the stomach is much, much easier as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's much easier. 
So that's that's Echo the Dolphin. I beat the Genesis version in the US Genesis version, which is the hardest version. Um But you still I use really, stage states to practice because oh, yeah, ridiculous. Um yes, of course. And which is how I beat Battletoads legitly was safe stating to practice. Yeah. Yeah. That game's fucking unforgiving. Yeah. I, uh, I, I I have I have an appreciation of that game these days too. Yeah, that's it's, it's, it's bold. Sim- it's probably similar to kind of have my appreciation for Echo. <laughs> I just love the variety that game offers. I mean, That's every true. level is something different. Mm-hmm. That is pretty cool. Except, I think Fresno made a good point, was that you can't really structure a game around variety and then also be demanding mastery at all times of the mechanics. Yeah, yeah, that's where, That's, because, yeah. That, that's where almost all Battletoads games fail, except Battletoads and Double Dragon, which is Fred, really, which is, really good. Isn't that which, one just a beat-up-up, though? It's beat em up, but it does still incorporate a lot of those gimmick elements. But like you know, the point that Fresno made, it doesn't demand mastery. That's really smart. I actually really like the Battletoads arcade game. Oh man, that thing's crazy! Most people don't know about it. Yeah, it's like fucking bloody as hell too. Yeah, it's I great. saw it at a at a theme park the at a skate world the other day. Wow. Skating place the other day. You, sh- you should have played it. I should have. Yeah, it's it's a trip. It's pretty uh, actually, funny. I was kind of hopped up on pain pills at the time, and I was really, oh. <laughs> really enjoying skating around in circles. <laughs> so I kind of was focusing on that. I got you. So, um, yeah, that's Echo the Dolphin. And I, I played a good chunk of Tides of Time, the sequel, and I like it a good bit, but it feels more cluttered. I feel like it loses a lot of the simplicity of the first Echo. Yeah, there's a lot of animal transformations. And... Like animal transformations, there's like the weird 3D segments that aren't yeah. really great. And I'll probably finish it at some point since there's a machine level and I kind of want to play it. <laughs> oh, God. Would, um, you say, would you say Tides of Time feels more like a video game? It feels more like a video game. Because like, when you start talking about things like animal transformations and power-ups, it's like it's, yeah. you start drifting into video game stuff. Where yeah, Echo it's is the like, video game sequel. Echo yeah, feels probably, very natural. Yeah, Echo exactly. is natural. It has a lot of atmosphere. You know, mm. It's a very distinct sense of place. Mm. And I think for most of it, it holds together okay design-wise. It's, it's monstrously hard, but it doesn't start to really fall apart until near the end, I think. Yeah. The boss so I, I think it's ultimately a worthwhile game, not just academically interesting. It, it, if it were... If we're that bullshitty for the whole game, then it would. I think it would just be academically interesting. But I right, think right. I think the average person gets something interesting, can get something worthwhile out of it. I think it is worth looking at because it's just the type of game that just big publishers do not make. Anymore. Yeah, you're exactly. not gonna you're not gonna see that kind of chance ever taken again. Mm-hmm. Unless I'll probably and I'll probably play Tides of Time and I'll probably play the um, Dreamcast game because I saw this clip from the Dreamcast game where there's giant tubes and spheres of water floating in the air and you're jumping around between them and it was just like, okay, I kind of want to play this now. Well, that's an Echo 2. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, it's an Echo 2 as well. It's a 3D version of that. But the 3D, it's a 3D version and it looks really just fucking majestic. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. So I know the Dreamcast game is kind of bad, but I'll probably check out that one too. And I think those are the only Echo games. Oh, Echo Jr., we don't count that one. We, no, yeah. no, not at all. I think it's Fresno said it was his favorite by default. It's probably the only one most people can beat. Yeah, it's probably the yeah. only one that might be decently playable. All right, and um, the only other uh, 
the last one I had was Colibri for the 32X. I have about- never heard of this. Really? It's without a doubt the best hummingbird bass shooter for the Sega 32X. <laughs> wow, that's pr- that's a pretty bold statement. You sure you oh. want to go to press with that? Oh, um I think so. And All right, print it. And um it's it's by the guy is by Ed Anunziata, the guy who made Echo the Dolphin. Okay, wow, I did oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's that is interesting as well. Uh-huh. I've played about a third of it. And it's not monstrously hard. Oh, don't yeah. worry. In fact, it's sure. not even, in fact, it's not even really hard at all. It feels way more like what he was maybe kind of going for with Echo because you're a hummingbird and you, you can shoot bullets for some reason, which is weird. But and Everything's <laughs> better with bullets. Uh, and, they're, and you kind of alternate between these free roaming shooting levels where you're going around and talk, looking at things and stuff. And more for more traditional scrolling levels. So, so are there but you're a hummingbird, and you're in this world, and it's really pretty. It's pretty. It's just as pretty as Echo, honestly. And I really want to dig more into that one because I feel like it might wind up being like a more complete version of that vision, possibly. Even though it's weird that hummingbird, the hummingbird can shoot. That's so but, weird. Uh, it's a video be, game. <laughs> Yeah, Colibri. And it also, I think, is the only 32X game that's exclusive to the 32X that's no. worth them. Chaotix. Chaotix? Yeah, Knuckles Chaotix. Chaotix. Okay, know. that's I mean, good. If you're counting ports, there's the Star Wars arcade, I think, is yeah. pretty good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of more like just Colibri is a 32X exclusive. So, um, so that get on chaotic. that hot shit. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Okay, I forgot about Chaotix. I haven't played that one yet. It's kind of boring. Okay, that's literally the only 32x game I have. It uh, is so fucking boring. I didn't mind it. The 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 32x version of Mortal Kombat 2 is pretty all right. That's cool. Okay, so Calibri is the 32x game that I will play, and probably none other, nothing else. Yeah. And those are the. Um, Sega Genesis games that kind of popped into my head when I wanted to talk about had that that I had semi interesting things to talk about. So, uh, who's next? You have another oh. thing written here yeah. that I, that I <laughs> oh. want. Oh, to, I forgot about that. I, I want to personally address it. Okay. Do you want? Do you want to say it? I'll say it. <sighs> Fuck Sonic CD. It is a piece of garbage. Who? in their right fucking mind, thinks that it is the best Sonic game. Get out of my fucking face. That game is shit. I agree. Why I don't you tell us how you really is, feel? I think Sonic CD is just fucking garbage. That game, there is just like... That, oh, wait, wait. It's not fucking garbage. The level design in that game is just every, every it, single... There's literally not a single thing about Sonic CD that's like worth a damn. Every <laughs> single... That game like. is so cool looking. The graphic, the arts are is incredible. It just looks like a bunch of nonsense thrown at the screen. That's what Sonic is. Wacky workbench. Sonic 1, or Sonic CD, is like the true sequel to Sonic 1. Like, it's a weird, abstract game. Like, the art design clearly... The art design is still clearly a holdover from Sonic 1. I'm not gonna diss that. I'm not gonna say... But it's beautiful. It's so cool looking. I'm not gonna say that that game doesn't look good. I am going to say I'm not going to say it looks good, but that, I, I can accept that maybe there's something interesting it, there. 
the okay. level design in what? that game is what pisses me off. Every single uh-huh. fucking spring just is there to shove you into an enemy, shove you into a pit, or shove you into fucking spikes. Yeah. It's, it's like the bad the, parts of Sonic One really amplified. And the time, of- the time mechanic is so fucking obtuse and stupid. Oh my god! Fuck I just that ignored game. it. Fuck that game! I will buy a copy of that game just to fucking destroy mm-hmm. it. The only way I can imagine possibly enjoying it is the people who apparently like really engage with the time mechanic and like go back and forth and master every area and do the things and making it more like slow and exploration yeah. focused. It doesn't I guess work as a Sonic appeal. game. Is the problem? I guess that's the appeal there, but I just. <laughs> dashed through every level and I was bored out of my mind and I beat it in like 60 minutes and every yeah. boss was terrible and both soundtracks were terrible. Oh, f- well, fuck you. <laughs> no, the soundtracks were garbage. Sonic Boom was great. You remember Sonic Boom because it's a funny fucking meme, but everything about that game, the soundtrack, the level design, everything, it's the just soundtracks fucking. soundtracks are great. It, they are <laughs> shit. They're I think Sonic shit. CD is a very unpleasant Podcast game to play, and I think it's a very <laughs> ugly game to. I think it's a very ugly game to experience. Like Rhett is see. going. Like Rhett Jesus is going. Christ, you guys! Rhett is going to rage quit the podcast. I'm not going to rage. Quit. I okay. I, mean, I just I wanted to address that. It was there. He wrote it. I, I wrote. Yeah, I wrote. Though. Literally wrote. Castlevania Bloodlines. Echo the Dolphin. Colibri, what is Landstalker? Question mark, question mark, question mark, and capital letters, not Sonic CD. I think Sonic CD is an interesting bold game. <laughs> bold. <laughs> I think bold is just going to be our new word for kind of bad, but maybe a little acceptable, but there is nothing acceptable about because Sonic CD. Because if you try to, it doesn't bold work for at- things that are interesting. It doesn't work as a Sonic game because if you just run to the level, yeah, it's boring yeah. because the levels are not very long. And then you so. go to try to explore and it's still boring. See, okay, I will not – the exploration could have been better. They're such dicks about breaking your speed every chance they get. Right. I just think there could have been a good game in there. It's an interesting <laughs> idea about having to travel to the past and do this one thing then travel to the future and do another. Like it could have been good. <laughs> We'll and settle it's so with bold. Cool looking. I'll settle on bold, but I won't give you right, any. I won't give you another inch. Look at a random screenshot and just kind of. You have to have my reaction. You have to see games time. like that in motion. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with Red here. I like the visual designs going on in that game, and because you know they're an evolution of the first Sonic game, which it's not. A, you know, it's like whereas Sonic Two and Sonic Three tried to make things more realistic, like and yeah. a bit more organic. The first game had a very abstract, weird video game kind of look to it. Yeah, it's it's. it's I like, like poly- that. It's like polygons before they were actually using polygons, right? Like right. The really simple shaded stuff, and like the tree is made out of like three triangles. That is the only inch that I will give. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm looking at screenshots, and I think I'll give I'll give that inch too. That's all. I, I, I will settle. I, I think it's very. I will settle with bold, but you will not get another kind <laughs> also, word out of me. Also, fuck the um, Mecha Sonic race. I was really looking that forward. Shit's to that shit so hard. Oh my I was god, really excited. So hard. And it wasn't. I don't remember it being hard. I just remember it being like not as all at all as interesting as I was expecting it to be. And then I played Sonic Generations, and it was really fun. And I was like, yes, this is this is what I wanted yeah. here. 
It only took him 20 years to get it right. (laughs) Was have a race between Sonic and another Sonic. How is this that hard to pull off? Oh, okay. The other thing I'll say is that the game Ristar, I feel, is the kind of the evolution of that kind of interesting art style. Yeah, that game's really cool looking as well. Ristar is really cool. It's kind of should go back to that one and play it to play it all the way through. It's kind of boring. I it, think. Yeah, it's kind of boring. And, it's kind of a boring and slow game, but it definitely yeah, a, okay, it has that, a lot going on yeah. in the visual it, and audio departments. Yeah, it's like an hour and a half long platformer that's kind of slow and boring, like yeah. a lot of them are in that era. So I dropped it halfway through, but I think it might be worth playing all the way through. If you save state, just don't try to do it in one go. Yeah, just stay, yeah. yeah. I do kind of wish. At least it's not three hours long like Castlevania Four. <laughs> like if like if Castlevania Four was in ninety minutes, it would be a lot more palatable. Yeah, cut a few stages from that shit. Uh, uh, completely. I do yep. wish... Cave guy, let's whip him slowly. Alright, mm-hmm. he's been turned into a bunch of little cave guys, now let's duck and whip them slowly. Alright, moving on. I, I, I do wish Sonic had... water droplets. Yeah. Okay. You still okay. going? <laughs> Wait a second. Better avoid the water droplets. Okay, let's go down. Whip down. <laughs> Oh no, I lost my cross from my knife. Oh, what a shame. Whatever, I don't use those anyway. Whip. We done yet? Hey, Rhett, what games do you want to play? I I just wanted to say one more thing. Okay. I I do wish Sonic hadn't lost that unique art style he definitely had definitely on the games because like can see that like you said you look at the first level of each game like green hill zone in the first game is really cubist extractionist and then what's the second game uh spring splash zone or something uh whatever the first level inside oh, we is. just lost all our cred by not remembering <laughs> that what's it's the first of level of sonic cd and we forgot no, I'm talking about Sonic 2 Sonic now. 2. That, uh, oh, that's what I meant. What's the first level of Sonic 2? Fuck Sonic CD. <laughs> anyway, Sonic 2 kind of loses that a bit, but it's still there. Like, you have, like, yeah. spri- uh, fuck, the hilltop zone kind of has that. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking at Sonic like, 1 screenshots, and there's all, all, the um, whole thing is all squares. Yeah, it's really, oh, cool. it's really cool looking. Yeah. And then by the time you get to Sonic 3, Angel Island zone is just, they're going for kind of cartoon realistic graphics. Like... The trees are actual trees, and you yeah. There's a lot more stuff. curves to everything. Um, yeah. It's not the hard to find edges and shapes. Right, right. Everything's got a softer look and more realistic and organic to it. Oh my then, god, Sonic Three maps are so big. Oh my lord. I mean, Sonic Three is a pretty oh. game. It's just it's different. It's weird how it changed to kind of be more uh, standardized. Yeah. Because then. Yeah. You go to Sonic Adventure many years later, and it's just, it's Sonic in a city, and he's talking to humans. It's like, you guys went, like, the most boring possible direction with this. (laughs) And nobody gives a shit. (laughs) Nobody. (laughs) And then Sonic 2006 happened. Sonic 2006. That's a wonderful game. Carnival Night 2 is so big. Oh, God. Okay, I'm done. Act 2 of that is horrible. Oh, God. And now the lights turn out. Oh, God. Now you've got, like, five minutes left. Yeah. Fuck that level. And then Knuckles shows up again. <laughs> okay, I'll stop the dragging out. Uh, okay, continue. My three games are... The first is Dynamite Heady. Damn good choice. So that's cool. the 
second game by, or actually it's the third game by Treasure, who made Gunstar Heroes. So most people have heard of Gunstar Heroes. If you haven't, you should play that mm-hmm. as well. But yep, it's real good. I really like Dynamite Heady because it's just it's a weird game. Like we're talking about bold games that mm-hmm. kind of do weird stuff. Dynamite Heady's a really weird game, but I think it pulls it off where it doesn't have a lot of stage portions. It's just pretty much a boss rush. Yeah. When you really look at it. Just like Alien like, Soldier? But not Which is the other one? Okay, yeah. It, it's not nearly the boss rush that Alien Soldier is, but like none of the levels in Dynamite Heady really play the same. Like there are level portions. It's hard to explain. Like, But it's got the consistency that I really like as well as the variety. Yeah, it, it does a lot of things and it does all of them very well. Every like nearly every part of that game, I would say aside from like the shmup section. Yeah, I would say so the same thing you could say for Gunstar Heroes. Yeah. I I think that definitely like there's a lot of polish to to that game in nearly every section and yeah, it's brilliant. And there's just cool tricks like at the start of stage two, it's a side-scrolling game, like a platformer. But at the start of stage two, the st- stage itself is tilting, so it slightly becomes like a 3D perspective, kind of like yeah, a that, up, that, where you can move yeah. up and down. And it's only like this one two-minute-long section that they do that in. It's so cool. And it's just like you think that they like they create these cool gimmicks, and those are things that you can use throughout the entire game, and they rarely ever revisit anything like that. Yeah, it's like... Because action games, like, if they're three hours long, like Castlevania 4, it's kind of boring. So they just thought, okay, let's make this game about an hour long and cram as much stuff as we can into it. And it's, it is, like, it is just a ball of chaos the whole time. <laughs> that game just, like, it is so kinetic. Yes. It, that's keeps, it just keeps going. It never, yeah, it doesn't pump the brakes until the credits roll. Mm-hmm. And Which is true of Gunstar Heroes, too. Definitely. Yeah. But I think this has more variety. Yeah, it's a little definitely. Crazier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the, my favorite parts of Gunstar Heroes are where it kind of doesn't try to be super varied. Like, my favorite level is probably just Destroy Them All, which is just ten straight minutes of just bouncing around the enemies, letting bombs go off everywhere. And is it's that just, the fifth one? Yeah. Yeah, it's just madness. Yeah, I don't like I that level. It. You don't? Oh, that's... It's so long, and it's like nothing's really happening. Yeah, just... I thought that they drew it out way too long. It's just mm-hmm. like a long stretch of, here's a bunch of enemies, and it's enemies you've already fought, so it's just kind of mm-hmm. like, I'm going through the motions. It's like I'm in a weird yeah. Mega Man boss rush, but it's, some, I mean, it's somehow it's... more nightmarishly long. It's sort of like a vision of Gunstar Heroes as like an ar- arcade endless game, right. where you're just sitting... sitting yeah. <laughs> Don't give them any ideas. Getting the barrage of having the barrage of enemies come at you, and I feel like Gunstar Heroes is rich enough that the base mechanics are rich enough that it supports that just endless mode. I guess it's like the horde mode or whatever. And yeah. if you love Gunstar Heroes, I'm going to suggest throw throw an off-topic suggestion out here. I'm going to suggest you go to Steam and grab Noi to Love Two. Mm-hmm. That game is fucking brilliant, and it yeah, really it's really it, it, pretty and really it's, good. It's very well designed. It has a lot. It has what I think is some of the um, variety of dynamite heady, but it's got that punch and impact of Gunstar Heroes. So. Mm-hmm. Good, stuff. yeah, it's really good. Takes mm-hmm. a little bit to get used to. The yeah, controls, definitely. Though. The controls they'll take you a bit to get used to, but yeah, it's like mouse and keyboard. But so once it's, once you strange. nail it, it just feels so satisfying to it rack feels up so big. Good. It feels so satisfying to rack up big combos, or when you finally nail that boss. It's yeah, that game is super satisfying. Mm-hmm. 
So one last thing about Dynamite Hitty. If anyone is playing it for the first time, I would recommend using the Japanese ROM and the translation patch. Because the English version is much harder. There's a few key points where it just kind of breaks from yeah, the difficulty. Gotcha. All right, I'll play that on the. I um, mean, I'll play the Japanese version for that. There's actually a story in the Japanese version one as well that they completely removed from the English version. Oh, yeah. bummer! It's really weird. Like this character pops up and then walks away with nothing. Yep. Being said, like there's gotcha. text and dialogue in the Japanese. That sounds a lot like um, Cybernator versus Assault Suit Vul- Assault Suit Vulcan. Yep. Which I need to play. Good lord. Good games. I love Cybernator. Mm-hmm. I the the I saw I just saw this one clip of Assault Suit Vulcan where you jump into this giant like dining room in your mecha and there's this itty bitty little human and it just stands up and I assume it's like the general of this army or whatever and it stands up and shoots itself in the head. <laughs> Oh my god! Because you're like this mech that just burst into its place. Now, Cybernator and Assault Suit Vulcan—they're part of the same series. Uh huh. Um, and yeah, the Assault Suit Vulcan. Since we're on Genesis, yeah, definitely that's the Genesis game. Uh, I think I, I think Cybernator is better. Uh, but oh, I think I, I'm not thinking of Vulcan. I'm thinking of Assault Suit Vulcan Two was the Japanese version of Cybernator, which had a lot of extra story stuff I that was see. taken out for the English version. I got you. Uh, I got you. I wasn't I, thinking of Assault Suit Vulcan One. I got you. I've never heard of that game. It's really it's it's hard to get a grip on, and it's really difficult at first. Mm-hmm. But it's a super good game. I heard of it because um, there's this PC ninety eight um, BDSM. Uh, hentai action game. Okay. <laughs> Night I was wondering when we were going to break that PG thirteen rating. And um, it's ostensibly like I just heard. I just read about it from. Like, I haven't played it yet, but sure you have. I read about it from a um, course review that was calling it the, just a really really brilliant action game and made a lot of references to Assault Suit Vulcan. And I saw some of the screenshots of the action and of both of them. And oh, this it looks like Assault Suit Vulcan. So. Figured I should if I want to play the weirdo PC ninety eight game, I should probably play the game it was ripping, riffing on. So that's the retro Japanese computing adventure <laughs> of the day. Great, good job. <laughs> so my second game is Rocket Knight Adventures, and that's awesome. Kind of, yeah, I really like the game. It's just sort of similar to Dynamite Heady in that they had like let's make a game that's an hour long and see how much crazy shit we can cram into it. Again, it's really just about... It's absolute chaos. It's chaos, it's variety, but it also... It requires It requires some fucking great... Like, mastery to be good at that game, too. I don't think I... I have some trivia relating to this game. Do you? Um, it was designed by the same person that designed Contra Hardcore. Oh, I was going to say that. I knew As, that. Did you know that? Did you know I that, I knew that. Oh, okay. Well, I was... That made me instantly really interested... Yeah, this was de- it's definitely a prequel kind of in spirit to hardcore. It's this the same sort of Genesis tricks and just mm-hmm. manic action, but Ugh. manic action like it never feels like f- tricks in contra hardcore because it's moving so fast that even when it's doing like fancy scrolling nonsense it doesn't never feels like the sp- spinning room in Castlevania 4. Yeah. It's more sp- kind of sprite-based tricks instead yeah, of yeah. hardware ones. Uh-huh. So yeah, Rocket Knight Adventures is quite a good game. It's pretty hard. Like Polly said, though, it's pretty hard, though. I don't... Is it easy and normal or the two difficulties? Yep. Did I it come before I've, or after Sparkster? 
Oh, this is the this is the original. Yeah, Sparkster, Sparkster. came after. Is Sparkster good? Eh, I didn't care for it. So okay. there's Rocket Knight Adventures on the Genesis, and then there's Sparkster on the SNES and Sparkster on the Genesis. They're two totally different games. The really weird thing is that Sparkster on the SNES plays more like Rocket Knight Adventures 1. Oh, what? Yeah, because I think it originally started out as a port of Rocket Knight Adventures, and then at some point they probably just decided to make it its own game with different levels. And then Sparkster Genesis is plays very differently. Like, the jetpack works differently. The sword doesn't have, like, the beam that shoots out, like... It does not feel like it, it. It's part of the same lineage at all. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's okay. I've played through it with save states. It's a much slower kind of metered game. Snazzy yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, that I guess you could say I have. It's much slower. It does feel like less out of control, manic than Rocket Knight mm-hmm. Adventures, which is disappointing. I imagine. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And then they made a new one in 2010 for modern consoles. It seemed kind of boring to me. I thought it was okay. I would say it's probably closer to Sparkster Genesis, where it's not as manic. It's just Mm kind of straight level boss, level boss. Gotcha. Yeah, how many people have really captured those kind, that kind of Gunstar Heroes vibe or Rocket Knight Adventures vibe? Besides Noi to Love. Yeah. Off the, top, to. off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple that are getting, like, the Ness vibe, like that one we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, Jet Gunner, Onikin. Oh, yeah. Jet Gunner. But well, yeah, Rocket Knight Adventures looks really pretty, and I've been, it's been, it's near the top of my games I want to play on the Genesis, along with um, Fantasy Star 2. Yeah. So I'm really excited. It is I had, weird. I had a I had a per, I had a friend online the other day just like go on like a twenty tweet spree on Fantasy Star Two, so I'm excited <laughs> about that one. It is weird how like on fire Konami was on the Genesis because mm-hmm. they had Contra Hardcore's Rocket Knight Adventures, uh, Castlevania Bloodlines, but then Treasure was also formed from former Konami employees, right? Right. Former Axley employees, even. Was it actually they were? I've they tried to on, look up the lineage. I think they looked worked on Castlevania Four, and they worked on Axley. The only based thing on see is anecdotal, that. non-sourced stuff. Yeah, I think it was kind of all over. The one yeah. game that I think the president of Treasure was the director on was Bucky O'Hare on the NES. Mm. Is That's that any good? One. Yeah, that game's really good. That actually. game's good, and that game will beat you to a pulp. Gotcha. Bucky O'Hare on the NES is like. Treasure Game Zero, basically. Basically, yeah. That's definitely. really cool. I'll probably check that one out. So, yeah. But, so, people nowadays, they give Treasure all this credit for being, like, this insane insane studio on the Genesis, when Konami, even once those guys left, they still put out some games, like yeah, exactly. Rocket Knight and Contra. And Castlevania. I, I, do believe, I do believe that Treasure developed Contra Hardcore, and they mm. just were it just were, they weren't credited with it. So I think that like even though those employees split from Konami, they still work together uh, because they needed a publisher. Mm-hmm. Anyways, my third game is Panorama Cotton. Oh, and that, I love is, that, game. that is a great <laughs> game, and it is such a weird choice, but and I support it entirely. It's mm-hmm. so sad that this didn't come stateside. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 
I'll just say what it is. It's a Japanese-only 3D shmup, basically. It's kind of over-the-shoulder perspective. Sort of space like space harrier uh, Yeah, space harrier but with sprites. And, like, it's not 3D like Star Fox, but it's, like, polygons. But it's sprite-based, but it's, like, it does stuff you did not think was possible on the Genesis in any way possible. Like, rotation and, and stuff and, like... Yeah, the sheer Her- the sheer nuts. the sheer amount of technical prowess that game has is. Crazy. I don't know how they do it. Like straight up, I do not know how they do some of the stuff, like the three D levels. Like, yeah, it's it's just it's they t- outdid Sega. <laughs> you know, Sega. You know, they did their games. Sega did Space Harrier and Outrun, which are just incredible. You know, they're, they're, they're based on the same technology, but when you look at what Panorama Cotton did, it's just wow. It's mm-hmm. miles. You know, Obviously, it's because you've got years of experience and years of understanding the hardware, yeah. but it's just amazing that you know the people that created the console were not the ones to put their mark on such a technical piece of work. Mm-hmm. And that it wasn't didn't come stateside. Yeah, yeah because that would have been an amazing showpiece. I wonder if it was just too late for them to bother. Like it was, it was either in- it was either too late or just way too Japanese for them, uh, mm-hmm. because at the time they were really trying to focus hard. Because you know, the Genesis obviously did way better in the states, um, yeah, and and they did so on a lot of games that were geared towards the Western audience. I feel, um, and Panorama Cotton probably just was way too Japanese, way too under the radar. It didn't have the name recognition. You couldn't pretty it up in a Western kind of way uh, to make it release here. So it's probably, you know, one of the number of reasons why it did not mm-hmm. make the leap. You it's can't just, really say, you can't really <laughs> know even what why certain games like that just don't come over. It's yeah. almost inexplicable a lot of the it's time. It's really sad because, like Brett said, that game is super good. Yeah, it's a good game on top of being mm-hmm. this technical marvel. Yeah, it's not just you know, it's not just on his list because it's a technical marvel. You know, I've played through mm-hmm. it myself and I had a blast. Yeah, it, we I played it because it was on our um, forum competition that one time. Uh, uh, Polly's yeah, the Fall Funtacular. Yep. Oh yeah, two of the games I chose were the ones I chose for that. Oh, amazing. <laughs> It's just funny seeing stuff like Echo the Dolphin get a big marketing push. Like, it's a hard puzzle game, basically. Yeah. They couldn't find a way to market Panorama Cotton with the, the insane visuals it had. It's kind of disappointing. Yeah, it's, it's disappointing, yeah. definitely. Maybe it was near the end, like the 1994. I don't remember when it, I don't know when it came out. I mean, I but like look, 19. But- but I can see Echo the Dolphin being a really strong push in like 1991. Yeah, because yeah. that was that was a you know again at the time it was a really technical piece of work. Mm-hmm. Even like nothing, even like games 1991 games in the SNES like work couldn't really compete with something like Echo. Yeah, I mean like Final Fantasy IV. <laughs> yeah, Final Fantasy IV was just basically upgraded NES sprites really mm-hmm. with some mosaic effects thrown in for transitions and a mm-hmm. few extra colors. Yeah, that, I love that game, but it's not a pretty game. Not at oh, all. Oh yeah, that's actually uh, probably one of my favorite ten favorite games ever. I should come back to it at some point soon. Yeah. <laughs> and just for fact checking, Panorama Cotton was August nineteen ninety four. Yeah, that I, I, it's, I, it's, it, it know, feels like a nineteen ninety four game. Yeah, it's I mean, it, it would have to be. It's mm-hmm. around the time when you were seeing you know other really technical powerhouses like um, Shinobi three. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, Shinobi three is so pretty. And that you know that game, crazy looking visuals, you know. So I think that they probably were just like, 
you know, we've got games that are going to sell. They've already got name recognition. We're just going to go with this. Plus, by the time they localized it, the Saturn probably would have been out over here. Right, right. There's actually a Sat- I think there's either a Dreamcast or a Saturn sequel to Panorama Cotton. I remember yeah, reading the there's article. There's a Dreamcast gaming article. One. Yep. I remember hearing it wasn't great, but... um, It's, I mean, the magic of the sprite-based stuff was lost when it's just like, yeah, it's a 3D game. Like, 3D yeah. games mm-hmm. aren't a big deal anymore. Exactly. I think it's a lot slower as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At that point, like, Panzer Dragoon was out, Rez was out, and so that that feels... Oh, man. It is kind of funny to think if this had been localized, it would have come out after Panzer Dragoon. Yeah. And then wow. seemed really antiquated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that might... But I mean... It's not 3D. I mean, SNES games came out till like, 96. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like you had to immediately drop your console. Yeah, and if you want to talk that- about system longevity, the Genesis, I think it was discontinued in 97? Damn. I want to say. And, and even then, you know, in Brazilian markets, it was still going into, like, 2003. <laughs> You know, I remember when I talked to uh, Danilo Diaz of Joy Masher, you know, he was telling me about, you know, the Master System and the Genesis, they lived long there. And a lot of the reason that they create the games that they create is because, you know, that's what they grew up with and what they were mostly exposed to. Even, you know, when we were, like, getting PlayStation 2s with, like, Metal Gear Solid games that looked true to life, you know, so... All right, so, Polly, what are the three games that you would recommend people most check out on the Sega Genesis? All right. So, I think, you know, maybe one of them is going to be pretty damn obvious. Uh, But I'm going to start with the less obvious, Alicia Dragoon. This game is positively insane. It is a simple 2D platformer that has a lot of cool little gimmicks and but the really cool thing is you control, you know, this stream of lightning and you know, you you have to gauge how long you hold the button down, but it just basically homes in on fucking everything. And it is a game that is like, nuts. It is a game that is almost a shmup in platformer form because it's just constant explosions. You're you're a badass. And it feels so fucking good. It's just, you know, it's one of the more satisfying uh, experiences uh, on uh, the Genesis, I think, just because of how empowered you feel, but they still managed to create a very challenging game around that. Uh, And it also had uh, some production by Gynax. Uh, I believe that they were responsible for the scenario and character designs. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it was actually done by Game Arts, too, who um, yes. went on to make uh, Lunar and Grandia. Yep. So good, 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 uh, you know, good genes behind that game. And definitely, you know, yeah, Alicia if, Dragoon is really cool. If you want something absolutely crazy and brutally hard, but, you know, it requires a certain, you know, depth of skill to be good at. Mm-hmm. Alicia Dragoon is definitely super cool. Um, and, you know, hey, props for awesome female protagonists. Yeah, absolutely. It tosses, like, a whole bunch of crap at you all the time, but it also gives you, like, a huge arsenal to combat it. Yeah, so it, you're, you're, never, you're never underpowered, but mm-hmm. you're never overpowered to the point to where it's going to be stupid, you know, stupid easy. Um I really like games that can do that, that can like give you this incredible sense of power, but can still manage to challenge you because you've got to learn to use those tools at your disposal properly. Mm-hmm. You know, Contra games are generally really good at that. I mean, you are the yeah. giant 
people running around with extreme with mi- shooting missiles everywhere, but then you fight these giant aliens and yeah, it's really satisfying. Definitely, you know. Uh, I don't know, Rort. Have you played Alicia Dragoon? Uh, I have not actually. I've seen a video of it when Fall Fantacular, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I I was the one who was assigned that video. Yep. Um, next game I would go to, I think, is a pretty obvious one. Uh, it's a game I still have a receipt for when I bought it, and it was eighty fucking dollars. It's uh, Fantasy Star Four. Woo! One of basically the best uh, JRPGs ever. Uh, that game has so much going for it in terms of production. Uh, it was a really fun story at the time. Great character design. So many memorable moments. Um, just uh, a great battle system. Uh, I really love the macro system to where you could queue up attacks, uh, you know, and set up. You could set up certain combos between certain characters, and uh, if they, you know, were attacking one after the other, it was just a really fucking crazy good RPG for the time. Far more linear than, you know, it was competing with, you know, Final Fantasy 3 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so it, it's a far more linear game. There's not a lot of openness to it uh, because the story kind of just drags you along and you just need to be where you need to be. But, God it's a roller damn. Coaster. But, God damn, that game is so good. Cool. A- and uh, last game I'm going to go with, I think, is the most obvious choice on the list. Uh, everybody mm-hmm. saw this coming a mile away. Everybody needs to go play Contra Hardcore. Absolutely. That game, I, I feel like it just kicks the ever-loving shit out of Contra 3. Even though Hardcore is a much different game than what you would expect from a Contra game, because it is very boss-focused. Um, and, you know, every, you know, it's got four different characters with four different weapon sets uh, that you have to learn how to play. You know, and they all play very differently. Uh, and there are, you know, things that affect you, like your character's height can affect you in mm-hmm. certain situations. And But that game is just, it is a constant barrage of awesome. Um, it's a technical masterpiece, and I think that it is one of, if not the best, soundtrack on... Um, the uh, Genesis, oh, yes, because it, it does something that a lot of soundtracks I don't think tried to do, in that it uses the system, the, the system's um, weaker sound hardware. It uses it as, as a positive because everything about that game's soundtrack is just super grungy and dirty sounding. It's just like it feels like it's being spit out by an angry computer that just really knows <laughs> how to rock. Yeah, it's like the grunge rock compared to Contra 3 being, like, the orchestrated definitely, soundtrack. Definitely. It, is like, mm-hmm. it is like that older brother that, you know, smokes some pot and gets uh, real stoned out and plays some crazy shit on a keyboard and a guitar, and it's just like, God, the soundtrack to that game is fucking amazing. Like, the visual effects they pull off, um, you know, with a lot of, you know, again, it's a lot of sprite-based tricks. Um, but, you know, the boss fights are crazy good. Um, I wish they would bring back the slide uh, to the series. I thought that was a really great addition. That was a great addition. You know, when you slide, you're invincible for a very short period of time. But it also, you know, it, it opens up a lot more opportunities for boss fights, you know, to do crazier yeah. things. Because you're more mobile, and the enemies can do a lot, you know, they can do a lot more when you're more mobile. And I wish that, like, if there ever is another Contra game, I really hope they revisit that. They sort of did 
in Hardcore Uprising with uh, the vaunt moves, but they're not quite the same. Um, but yeah, that's my three. Elysia Dragoon, <laughs> Fantasy Star 4, and Contra Hardcore. Go play them. Damn good choices. And, I, and, I, and I'm good to go play Fantasy Star 2 as well, right? I know yeah, it's kind yeah. Of- Fantasy Star 2 is dated, and its combat system is going to really take some time to warm up to, and the dungeons mm-hmm. are mercilessly long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think that that game... Knowing all that, I can go in and appreciate it. I still think that game's story uh, and what it did at the time still hold up. Um, cool. But Fantasy Star 4 kicks its ass in every single way gotcha. conceivable. Right. Um, so, you know what, folks? I guess with that, we are almost clocking in at three fucking hours. Woo! So, I want to get one last bit of... I guess information here out here to um <laughs> before we say goodnight it's that this isn't just about us I mean we are way smarter than you and we're obviously way prettier and way more attractive but and we, we w- like really good games probably yeah our, our taste in games is way better than yours yeah. but that doesn't mean that we are on you know an unobtainable pedestal uh you can interact with us as if you were a friend but don't go telling people because you know we're, we're just gonna deny it um we want you to send us emails about anything and anything? i i mean absolutely anything 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 and you can do so by firing up your little email client or your web browser and... Open up Microsoft Outlook. There you go. Or whatever, you know. <laughs> maybe access, maybe go to um, yahoo.com on your AOL yeah. browser. Or use, oh, now you're talking my language. There you go. Um, fire off an email to podcast at net. We're going to have... Uh, Rort's going to be the only one uh, reading this email uh, folder email thing whatever the hell it is i haven't i'm not technology driven don't ask me but he's going to be the only one reading and selecting emails for us uh to ponder over so if you need some life advice you want to ask that girl out and don't know how (laughs) want to know how to bake a turkey properly don't bother me with it ask ret send it all in Send it all in. We want everything. We don't care what you ask. We're going to try and handle every single one of your problems, one at a time. So Questions about retro Japanese computing? Boom. Gotcha. We got you covered. So, with that said, where can people find us? I am typically... Um, usually only accessible via email at poly at socksmakepeoplesexy.net um, you can also find me on my forum uh, just send me a PM there if you need to get a hold of me uh, you guys um, I'm uh, on Twitter uh, Chrono <clears throat> Maniac C-R-O-N-O underscore Maniac on Twitter and John.Thyre T-H-Y-E-R at gmail.com and my website is farawaytimes.com and you can play my games there if you're interested and also link to some of my writing. Uh, And I'm on Twitter Rhett uh, R-H-E-T-E pretty simple there. You can send me messages and I'll ignore you. (laughs) And then you can visit my website 
inconsequentialexistence.com. It's a really, really straightforward name there. Mm -hmm. It pretty much says how I feel. I gotcha. So you can go there and play my games if you want. Cool. Go play Hunters. Are there, go are there, there, are, are there at least all your Newgrounds games there? Because you have a Newgrounds account that people can look at. and there, that Everything and more is on games. my website. Okay, everything on, and more is on my website. Yeah, like, you'll, find a, everything. you'll find a ton of stuff on his website that is not on Newgrounds. So going to inconsequentialexistence.com is the easiest way to get access to all your RET-related needs. So again... Podcast, podcast at socksmakepeoplesexy.net. Flood Rhett's inbox. Let's get this thing going. That's another way you can reach him. And with that, folks, we're putting a cap on this. We're we're saying goodnight. We're saying goodbye. We're getting the fuck out of here. We need like a phrase thing? No. Jolly good. Jolly good. That'll be it. Jolly good. Thanks for listening. Pokemon. Remember, we're the podcast that loves you. We're the only ones that love you.